Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello. Happy opening Indiana basketball day. Well, that's certainly how it turned out, isn't it? Didn't start that way. No, I mean, I thought I thought I was going to lose you before the, the season even really started. All right, listen, before we get to that, let's take care of some business. Business. Because we are, as always, powered by communitycards.com. Fade out. I jumped in on that one. Do you see that? I liked it. I felt like because we're here together, change it up. For sure. Change it up. I think that appreciably makes the podcast better. Especially for those not listening. So welcome to the Hoosier Hysterics West Coast Studio. West Coast Valley Village Studio, as opposed to our East, Eagle East side. Adams Hill. You yeah. call it East Side? Well, I'm East Side. You're you're Valley. You're not really West Side. No, you're, you're no. West I'm of East me. Valley. Yeah, uh, I'm East of you. You're West of me. Yeah, that's all. A lot of directional stuff. You see what I did here, though. You want to tell everybody about that? No. Again, for the listeners, it's just not going to be good content. Look, what if you are just or, listening? <laughs> For the people watching on video, it's not going to be content either. <laughs> Look, if you're listening and you've listened before, that's what you've come to expect. Not good content. But what Indiana provided us was, I mean. Wait, Look, we, we got we to do something else though. Before I feel like this basketball. has been off to a terrible start. Well, like many of other. This feels like the Indiana basketball team. Just a very choppy, disjointed start. It It is. Uh, we are smoking victory cigars, mm-hmm. so let's start there. But I, I, we do have to at least pay quick attention to the Penn State football game. No, we don't. We don't? I didn't watch it. I did. I watched all of it. I was at uh, my daughter's first musical performance ever. Newsies. That was a win. 
I I went and watched a win. It was amusing to see the text chain in the first half where like, I think we got an interception and you were like, wait a minute, wait, like is something magical happening here and being completely uh, divorced from the emotion of the game, standing in line at a a middle school auditorium. I knew how what was going to happen, but it was fun to watch you be hopeful for 10 seconds, one text. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, (laughs) it was brutal. I just want to say this because it does bother me. You and I had this debate last week about the quarterbacks. Who are you going to play? And he ended up going with Tuttle, which I, I think is weird. I mean, I just think, I don't remember in the history of college football, a guy being named the starter after announcing he's leaving the team we again driving home the point we are a historic program yeah we are his, we are an historic program you have to use the an it's not a historic did you know that why age dramatically is a, age is not a, a vowel it's not but an precedes h words weird yeah vowels and h words anyway this is good content <laughs> yeah um here is look in some re- respects, remember my argument last week was you don't play Dexter Williams, the guy who you think might be the starter because in the future, because in front of this, behind this offensive line, at this point in the season, the team seems to have given up. You could really get this son of a bitch hurt. And you 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 pushed back on that. You can't be, be coaching like that. In hindsight, though, starting Tuttle was the right move for a lost season. Because you don't care about the guy who's transferring. Fair, fair. Okay? Yes. So they play him, and he gets hurt. He tore his, and he tore his shoulder up. Like, I, it was brutal. Then they put in... Somebody else's problem right. this year. Then they put in a true freshman who looked like it would have been you or me playing quarterback. He was so terrified. They played him for, like, two drives. He was awful, but the team was awful. And then they pulled him, and they put Dexter Williams in. And I'm like, wait. And everybody was kind of scratching their heads. Why did you play the other guy who didn't even dress for most of the games this year? Right. Why would you put him in over Dexter when we know Dexter's been the QB3 all year? How did this guy jump him? And honestly, Tom Allen's answer about that in the press conference made zero sense. Zero. But then he plays Dexter Williams, and Dexter showed a little bit. He could run a little bit. He made some good throws. He had an interception. One, he did. I think he had two interceptions. One of them was not his fault. But he showed a little bit of like, okay, at least there's some life there. He announces today, Connor Bazelak is starting against Ohio State. Then why did you play Dexter Williams? If you were okay playing him in that game to see what you got, the season is over, then play the guy. And see what you got. You don't give a tumbling shit. I'm checked out, man. I'm checked I'm out. Trying to, I, I'm, I'm trying here. to bring some passion to this. No, but no. Like, I'm saying I'm one of our listeners, one of our few precious listeners who is tuned in to talk about Indiana basketball okay. has started. Fine. I just like, what? Like, no. I'm like, I, I, my eyes glazed over. My ears clammed up. You started sounding like the, the teacher from Peanuts. Because uh, this season is dead, you can you can pet me. That's fine. <laughs> I've got a huge dog at like my feet. We've never touched before on the podcast. Yes. Yeah, there isn't a, there isn't much touching <laughs> with us over Zoom. I miss that. Did I tell you that one time I was really sick 
like I, my head was gone and I was sleeping and Holly brought Stella into my room, my beautiful middle daughter. And I, I didn't know they came into the room. The next morning, they, when I wake up, they were like, they couldn't wait to tell me what I said to them because I was like in deep REM and talking to them. Uh -huh. And Stella said, and Holly corroborated that I said, Stella, we need to touch more. Hey, I mean, like, I, that, I think that's sweet. Every dad understands that on some level, right? Like, oh, yeah. You to cuddle with your kids. Especially as they get older. But you know what? Guess what? We're still not talking about Indiana basketball. Indiana... Well, we got to talk about community cars. We did the song. Yeah, we did the song. It's the best place to get a car. We had uh, listeners very recently who had incredible experience not even in Bloomington, buying a car from Community Cars. They support Indiana. They support NIL. They support all the athletic programs. They've been a friend of Indiana for a really long time. And they're a huge pillar of the community. Go buy your goddamn car from Community Cars. That's it. Let's talk about Indiana basketball, which I've been wanting to talk about since we started this. Okay, so this has, I think it's consensus now, this is the most anticipated season since Cody Vick uh after the watch shot we're going into the season rank number one we're not there like nobody's nobody's saying hey we should be cutting down the banners this year but for where this program has been to be entering as the 13th 12th depending on what you're looking at we're we're, we're definitely a top 15 team in what appears to be a weak year for the big 10 uh the highest ranked big 10 team favored to win the big 10 conference but that's all a bunch of idiots like us guessing at what the season's going to hold. None of it matters until the jump ball goes up. And and that's the one thing Trace does with his right hand is the jump ball. Yeah. And and look, this is the thing. You and I have done what? This is 198, 199 episodes uh, talking about Indiana basketball. And this is, for all intents and purposes, the most uh, anticipated season, and therefore I would even say game. No, not true. We've had more anticipated games sure. than this. But the buildup has been so many months in the making that what what did you think without yelling too much uh, about, let's say, the first half? We'll, we'll make it a tale of two halves. I say we talk about the first half and the second half because they were quite different. Yeah. I Look, we did a halftime spaces – I was really upset at the play in the first half. It felt like the team was not locked in. It felt like guys like Xavier and Race, even though he scored points and points, uh, both of them did in the first half, they just didn't seem that interested in playing basketball. Uh, and they didn't seem that interested in really locking in defensively against the other team. And there were great moments in the first half. Jalen hood Shafino, incredible um, outlet pass over the shoulder to race on the break that resulted in race with a really nice finish. That play where they moved the ball around the perimeter and the ball never touched the Jaylen's ground. wraparound pass in the lane. One of the best passes I've ever seen. It reminded me of, remember Lander made that one pass? Yes. That was the wraparound that we all like freaked out about. There it is. That, that's <laughs> um, so there were great moments, but there was no sustained effort in the first half. And it really, it did piss me off because I mean, Ward, I made a candy stripe pizza, Mother Bear style, for you for this game. Just one to make you happy, but two to take up like three hours of my day today 
to just give me something to do because I was so excited. You need, the, you needed a break from the cigar chain smoking. I did. And look, I will say, like the fact that you made that just for me because you you are you were watching your girlish figure. Yeah. Like look, just look what a guy, what a guy. Um, and it was great. It was genuinely a great pizza. Thank you. Talk more. So that's that started oh. off my visit here very well. Mm -hmm. Um, and then and then that whole first half, it's like I I think. We, we can see it already here, and we won't go too overall with the game. But again, shooting, still a big question mark. Those questions have not been answered one game into the season no. about shooting. But, but like, right. presuming, you know, even in our best games, it's not going to be like, man, they're shooting the lights out. But that it's that defense being locked in on defense, possession after possession, game after game, is what's going to win us more games than not. And to just see us not be able to put up a wall against Moorhead State was like, well, that's kind of a bummer, dudes. Yeah, and and I don't really care about exhibition games except to say we did not have good three-point defense in either of the exhibition games, and that carried over to today. The, the defense was not good, especially in the first half against three-pointers, against a really bad team. That said, halftime came around. Malik, Malik did good things in the first half, and – you just have to love the emotion with which he plays. Yeah. He seems invested in every moment. You know, he is he is a dog out there and he is competing every second that he's out there. So I was really happy about that. Let let's talk about his skill set because there's no other player on the team at any age on this team that has the the bucket of tools already at his disposal to score around the basket totally. like we've seen through the exhibition games and tonight uh just the way he can score from either side of the basket with either hand he can he can get around a defender uh and 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 put it up with what seems like about two square inches of space i think that's the key it's like trace can use his incredible quickness uh, and I, I watched the Illinois game from the Big Ten tournament against Kofi last year, and there were several times where he used his quickness to spin around Kofi. Right. Super quick, yeah. you know, super athletic. Or he can jump over Go guys. over the top. Malik, even when he doesn't get past a guy, he knows how to use his body and leverage to create that little space. He uses his hip. He uses just a subtle move mm -hmm. to create enough space to give him an angle to get the shot off. That is basketball iq that is a feel for the game that truthfully trace does not have and race does not have to your point and it's not close you do at the right. college level especially at the freshman level yeah for big man like because we heard when he got to campus and oh he's like skilled and but he's got a big 10 body and, but even in the scrimmages and stuff like that, uh, these glimpses now didn't didn't really get to see what's been advertised. And I really believe I'm like, oh, well, you know, he sounds like he can contribute this year and then he could really be a big part of the team, uh, if not the focal point of the team next year, based on what we're hearing. But then you see what he did tonight and you're just like, he's going to be crucial from now on. And if he hits free throws, because he spends most of his time under the bucket, he's going to get fouled. If he hits free throws, he is a Big Ten Freshman of the Year candidate right alongside his Mount Verde teammate. I wonder if they'll split votes. I, I think Co-Big Co Ten Freshman Co of I the mean, Year. 
So, so I'm with you. I, it is amazing how skilled Malik is at this at this level. And I will say this. I'm so thankful he does not have Trace's athleticism. Because if he did, he would only be here one year. Yeah, yeah. If he had that skill level with Trace's athleticism, he would be a lottery pick. Yeah. I mean, that that's the truth. But he doesn't. So he probably is in college for a few years, which is great. And, and, and he's going to have to develop that outside shot a little bit more. It's a little funky, but he clearly has the skills. So he stood out throughout the game more than anyone, I think. Well, and that, that was it because Jalen was a, a, a little quieter, particularly in the second half. I mean, we've seen more than flashes from him. We've seen him even on any run down the court where it's like he's just in control. Yes. He's in control of the ball. He's control of the, of the team. He just knows what's going on at all times. But Malik was one who was just kind of like, just feed it to him and points result. He is the primary scoring option in um, that when he comes the, in the game. The second like, unit. When Trace is not in the game, he is the primary scoring option. Yeah. And, and it'll be interesting to see when he plays guys that are as big as him and as, and more athletic than him. Will he be able to use his skill set to, you know, continue to get open looks? Because I remember, I mean, Cody Zeller was an extremely skilled basketball player around the bucket and could do a lot. And Cody had a a, a come to Jesus, if you will, against Michigan State, if you remember his freshman year, where they beat the hell out of him. He scored like two points. Sure. He got hit in the mouth and then he responded and turned into the Cody that became, you know, the fourth pick in the NBA draft. Um. So he was a stud. I think Malik's going to have that moment at some point this year. Every sure. freshman does. But but he stood out the most throughout the game. So let's get into the second half. Well, let, let's stay in the first half. I I love Xavier Johnson. I love how hard he plays. There were moments tonight where he did not play hard. And that bothered me significantly. Um, and he just didn't make good decisions. I hated the two fouls and out. I think that hurt him. He should have kept playing. Um, he had some good drives at the beginning of the game. He scored the first bucket of the game, and he had another nice little play where he, he drove to the bucket. But I, it's going to we're just going to have to see if he gets into the rhythm. I think it's different for him this year, though, Ward, because last year we had to have him. Yeah, there was no other options. And I think for him it's difficult to go, oh, I don't need to score 15. Like, how do I fit with what Jalen's doing? You right. know, mm-hmm. when Xavier was in the game last year, he controlled the team for better or worse. This year, when he's in the game, he controls the team for half the court. It just until, you know, it swings to Jalen. Jalen has this vision, clearly. It was like, I think the play that really epitomized it i'm jumping to the second half please do but you know it's on the break it gets kicked over to him on the left wing he's looking to see if somebody's going to get open underneath on the break as soon as it's clear it's not he knows exactly where to skip it across the entire court perfectly into the waiting hands of miller cop to drop a three and we just haven't had somebody like okay yogi was the kind of point guard who uh had the vision and and uh, the sense you know, almost the sixth sense of how a play was developing or the offense was and where people were going to be open. But he was like probably not even six feet tall. Totally. So now you have this six, five dude ready to go who can look over and in between everything. And he's just 
calmly making the right play in and out. So then if that's what's going on over there and your X, I mean, I think with X, it's so much about can him and Trace get, you know, the pick and roll going again. And, and ultimately, if if you're able to keep it spread enough, X can get by his guy and get to the basket. But it, it does feel more limited to, to compared to where Jalen feels like he could get anybody involved on the court at any time. Yeah. And I hope that X doesn't in some way think he's competing with Jalen. He has to think about complementing each other. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what worries me. X has a personality where he pushes, he pushes really hard and he takes like insults and criticism of him very personally. We know it. He told us he did. I mean, he even was on Twitter over the last week talking about his haters and stuff and he can't turn that off. And I just worry that he looks at the team this year and feels like, shit, I have fewer opportunities than I did last year. So I got to push even harder with those opportunities. And that's going to result in bad play. Yeah, I, I think it's what it's feeling like so far in the two exhibition games in this game is that he's forcing stuff. And and when you do that, you kind of get tunnel vision and yeah. you're like, I'm going to do this thing. And if it's not there, you, you push it anyway. And, and so to your point of taking them out with two fouls in the first half in a game, we should clearly win by 30 plus, And we do is like, give him more run to calm down the same way. I think scoop needs more run um, to just get used to being out there. And he hasn't played enough. Yeah. And not only not last season, but even just like this recent injury, like scoop just needs to feel in a rhythm more. And I think X just needs to like, Calm down a little bit right now. I know, but I think that is the story of X's basketball career. But what, both what, both on the court and off the court. And and very it's fair. just it's part of him. And that's been the toughest thing to get him to do. And we saw moments last year in games and stretches where he did. And I watched that Illinois game again, and he made amazing plays. Um, but it, it remains to be seen how they're going to play together and I, I have no worries about Jalen playing with X. I have worries about X playing with Jalen. He's got to figure out. You don't, I mean, this team could be excellent if Xavier's stat line ended up being like seven points, four assists, one turnover. Sure. You know, yeah. eight points. Like yeah. he doesn't have to score 12. Yeah. He doesn't. Not with Malik, not with Jalen, not with Trace, not with not with Tamar coming off the bench putting points in. He doesn't. And I hope he doesn't have the mindset where he thinks he's got to get his. I hope not. I, I mean, I, I will say in terms of just just because I want to go back to reveling in uh, the good stuff. Yeah, sure. Jalen's mid-range. It, it's, it, it doesn't look physically like, like Kawhi's, but that sort of control, body control and balance and just going up. And it's like, it's pretty much a knockdown shot. It, it's amazing. It's the best mid-range shooter that it seems that we've had since Will Sheehy. I loved Will Sheehy's mid-range game. It yeah, was awesome. I like that comparison. Um, but yeah, and, and to have it as the point guard is but, is all the more powerful and impactful. And and but we see it a lot. And I'd like to watch this game again to to look more at the off-ball action um, because there seemed to be more going on more often, but that like Jalen's coming out from somewhere in the middle or along the baseline uh, and, and getting fed that mid range or 
um, there, there's some confusion up top with the defense, and he just takes what they or give it to pick him. and roll, and then pick they get roll. lost on the pick and roll, and instead of driving all the way in, he pulls up at the elbow. Like yeah. it's awesome. So let's talk about the second half a little bit because I want the, the one thing I think we do need to put a button on in the first half is this team cannot reach anywhere near its ceiling if it shoots free throws the way it shot today, especially in the first half. It can't. It it will not. We've all. And I'm as guilty about this as anybody being like, well, uh, we're we're going to get better. Would be the coaches have instilled confidence, and we have more talent overall this year. So there's going to be better looks within the offensive flow. And when you shoot free throws like that, is there is there a better indication of how well you can shoot as a team than free throws? Right, probably not. Like it projects out to three point shooting. It. It, it it does not make a lot of sense, and it's really a, a problem. So that's the first half. Second half started, you know, we went out to a nice little run. 19 then, lead, and we're like, okay, here we go. Then it went back down to 12, I think. I think 12 so. 12 or 13. Yeah. And then the unit changed again. X went out. Jalen was in with the second unit a lot. And I know we're not talking about Trace. Trace is what Trace is. Trace, Trace can be dominant. He got 15 points without breaking a sweat. Look, this may be unpopular to say. Trace is going to be the most productive player on this team from a statistical standpoint, points and rebounds, no doubt. He's Blocks. Be, yeah, he's going to be the most productive. He's not the best player on the team. Well, I mean, I he's I, not. I know. I mean, like, if you want to say, like, who's going to be drafted first next year, we know who that's going to right. be. Right. Much, much. Uh, much has been made of the pro day at at right. IU, the night of Hoosier hysteria, and. Look, and that's why we do have a chance to be a really special team. When your your surefire first round draft pick isn't the guy who's going to score the most points and get the most rebounds and get the most yeah. points. And doesn't seem to care. Yeah. Like that's the other thing. So so Trace is was great and he, he had some great moves and and dunks and alley oops and he he did great. But that second half, there were so many things that stood out. The play that you brought up about Jalen, Miller Cop drilling two threes was awesome to see shooting a hundred percent for the season. And by the way, include the exhibition games and Miller cop is shooting a hundred percent. I think Miller X and scoop are the three guys. I just want to see get infused with confidence in these early games yeah. to just really start to feel it in a way that I think all three uh, want it so badly work so hard for it. And um, and that can make you tight. And so to just see it go through, and we can talk about scoop. Uh, Wait, uh, first, can we talk about Miller's celebration with uh, with the handshake? The handshake. Let's do it. So I don't know if you all saw this, but when Miller cop comes out of the game or a timeout, he walks over to Anthony Leal, right? Correct. And this is what they do. Just a proper, like, gentleman handshake. Just classy. It's just two gentlemen <laughs> greeting each other after a job well done. A job well done. And and for Miller to be having fun like that, I, I think it's just another sign of, like, cool, man. He's he's had a year to get used to. Because, like, he got what IU was all about when he was at Northwestern. That's why yeah. he wanted to be a part of it. And now to just be a year into it, have even more talent around him, and in a lot of ways, I think, less pressure – I, I, really... or, or, or just dealing with it better. Sure. You know, probably both. Cause he does seem different. I mean, he, his physically, a lot has been made in the off season. He reshaped his body, worked on his body a lot. He looks better. Um, 
but he does seem looser out there, which I think is really good. He's just got to get more open shots. Like this offense has to generate more open threes, especially for him, because yes, we didn't shoot great from three last year. We also didn't take enough threes. We don't generate enough threes. And with a guy like Jalen in the game playing more and more, you hope that that's what's going to happen. And with guys like Race and Trace and Malik, who command a lot of attention down there, it collapses, ball pops out, swing it, Miller, get make the extra pass, he's in the corner. I think the extra pass is going to be key because they will – every team is going to be like, you got cop, don't leave them. Right. Don't leave them. So it's going to – there's going to not have to be a lot of movement, both off ball and passing to create that. It's not going to ju- – he's not going to be able to just sit out there and it, it no, come to right. him. Um, but it, it good signs thus far that when the opportunity is there, he's going to take advantage. Yeah. And in the second half, Tamar did some really good things. Tamar had that great pump fake, took what one dribble or two dribbles to the free throw line extended basically and drilled a mid range shot that you said at the time was the most confident shot you've seen him take in a long time. I agree. His threes did not look good. Any of including the bank shot, Um, (laughs) they didn't look good. Um, And it just shows you the mental side of this game because we saw it at FanFest. He hit 19 and 45 seconds or whatever. Twice. Yeah. I mean, and in Hoosier Hysteria, he was hitting, and practice reports are that the guy is a machine. Something different happens when the game is on, and confidence is a huge part of it. And he's got to hit those shots, and him getting a breakaway dunk and a layup in transition and a mid-range shot all that matters for him and he's getting more run right now than he got last especially at the end of last year well and that's where woody's uh strategy i think in the exhibition games in this game gets like he knows the minutes trace is going to get right that that when you're starting to look at some of those key bench guys who one amongst themselves need to figure out how they're going to make things work right. when the starters need a break or in foul trouble. That's one thing, but, but just nothing can replace real minutes and real games to find confidence. Yeah. And, and that that's so hard to do when he, you know, we, we all know how things, especially towards the end of the season, tomorrow wasn't getting a, a lot of playing time. And so then you're like, okay, I'm in now. I'm cold because, you know, it's been 15 minutes since warmups. Uh, oh, God. I And now I got to make it all count because in like the next TV timeout, I'm back out. And in, for these hopefully next few games leading up to Xavier, he can just be out there for 20 minutes. Yeah, I mean, plus. he got tonight. He got 23 minutes tonight, yeah. nine points, two rebounds, two assists, no turnovers. Like, if he embraces that, if he embraces, I'm the guy that's going to play 18 to 22 a game, and I'm going to be the sixth or seventh man in, and I'm competing against the second unit guys on the other team, and I can beat those guys. Yeah. Imagine what this team can be if Tamar Bates and Malik Renew are your two stars of the second unit. That's pretty, that's a luxury. I see no reason why Tamar wouldn't be into that. I think he's just so aware of his struggles last year. And now he's got this year in a, in a relatively low pressure situation that will still allot him real, real time every game to get a contribution in first half or second half. He's not on such a short leash. 
And I think along with that, a guy who appears to be embracing his role and like showing up in that box score with like that eight or 10 points again is Jordan Geronimo. Yes. Real quick though, on, on Jalen or uh, tomorrow in the minutes, uh, only Jalen Hood Shafino uh, played more minutes than Tamar Bates tonight. You know, now granted, it's an ex- not an exhibition game. It's a game against a bad team where Woody's playing with lineups and resting his guys, clearly not playing. Trace played 23 minutes or so, you know, 22 minutes. Like, he's well, you, clearly resting. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're not going to get – you're not going to get scoop in most games necessarily for 23 minutes. Right. So you do it now because those reps are real. And then if you can only give him, you know, say 15 in a big game when you tighten up your rotation, he's got that experience and that confidence to come in and make the most of it. Yes. Now let's talk about Jordan Geronimo. Yes, please. Played 16 minutes, went five of seven from the field. Uh, took one three, uh, missed it pretty badly, had 10 points, had two rebounds, uh, had a steal. He did. He had an awesome alley-oop smash dunk from Miller accidentally. Yeah, accidentally. (laughs) Uh, He's just so long and athletic and strong that he can make his presence felt without having to, like, force it, Mm -hmm. you know, just be around the bucket, Cause havoc defensively, get rebounds, tip balls, keep plays alive. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, Tamar, Malik, and Scoops. Or, I'm sorry, you said uh, Tamar and Jordan. And Jordan, as three of your five, and then you mix in Trey Galloway, who, who's kind of a glue guy, you know, on the wing. And then you have probably X or Jalen running that unit with them. That is awesome. I mean, that has the potential just to not hold serve when they come in the game extend extend or make up yeah you yeah know? which we saw what against St. Francis we saw tonight yeah right like well, they played it, uh, in, in the, the second, second half, half. everybody yeah. was doing better in the second yeah, half yeah that's true so i i loved how jordan played tonight loved it loved yeah. it yeah and and again the look i i think malik is is going to get starter minutes well look i think we should talk a little bit about that Race Thompson's a 17-year senior, and he's a grown man, and he's strong as hell. He is not as skilled or anywhere near as skilled as Malik around the basket. He's not as crafty. He doesn't see the game the same way. He doesn't have a feel for it. He's very um, impactful and can be impactful and very important to this team. You're, you're, you are smoking the band. I, it's like glued on here. Let me see. Oh, oh, there you go. Just there. Right. Um, yes, the, the, there are going to be games, there are going to be matchups where you, you maybe can use Trace's incredible toughness and his experience, and that's what you want uh, when the chips are down. But I think there's going to be a lot of situations where it's like, well, you got to play Malik because he's going to get you points. Do you think Malik, by the end of this year, will be starting? I will. I will shift that question to will he be getting as many or more minutes than race and my answer would be yes tonight race got 17 minutes malik got 17 minutes yeah and look i i just don't think these first few games are going to be a great judge xavier will though right for for minutes yeah when we play xavier yes Yeah. yeah that that like sort of the minute count is out the window for right now but it's just so evident 
when you see what Malik's doing, that even even compared to Trace, as we did earlier, like he can do stuff Trace can't do. And like, I mean, heaven forbid, like I know there's maybe not much room in modern basketball for two guys down low who can score in a variety of ways. No. Um, and that's why it actually makes a lot of sense that Malik is who's in with that second unit that you just keep doing that. You you torture them down low in a different way. Right. You know, when Zach Eady in his 14 minutes a game is getting run into the ground. Right. You know, we'll just continue to eat those guys up. But um, but I think there are other times if if Trace is tired, if if uh, you know, I don't know, because I'm I'm even seeing like these lineups where it's it's Jordan and Malik in critical situations because the scoring and the athleticism. I know it, it's going to be interesting to see how the race Malik thing plays out because race does do things that Malik doesn't like race does have the ability to step out and hit the three. He showed it in the last half of last year. He showed it in the exhibition game. He did hit one. His first one today was hysterical hitting the side of the backboard, yeah, but he did, but he did keep shooting and he drilled one. Yeah. So Malik doesn't have that game yet. Malik doesn't. Right. And but he will. I mean, you can tell he wants it. And I just feel like with his skill level, he will develop it. Well, and that's where it's like, uh, who are we playing? How are we playing? Yeah, let's get race drifting away out out towards the wing. And they know, hopefully, they'll get the message that they need to respect that. Whereas if you have Malik in there, it's getting crowded down there right. for both him and Trace. Right. Uh, but I was really happy with the fact that we just did what we should have done in the first half. In the second half, we stopped them. Yeah. You know, we we blew them out. We, you know, outscored them. What was the final score of the game? We outscored by 35 points. Yeah. First half, we outscored by 12. Second half, we outscored by 23. So, I, I mean, it was night and day difference between how we looked. And really, it was like 15 minutes left in the second half till the end because we gave up that lead. Yeah. You know, so those last 15 or so minutes were really impressive and really fun and some great just individual plays too. Um, I'm excited for Thursday, man. It's our last tune-up before going on the road. And Xavier isn't a very good team by all accounts. I, I haven't watched them. I don't know anything about them, just reading. But it's going to be a hostile environment. It's a good coach. He doesn't like us. He's got an ax to grind because of his brother. Uh-huh. He's taken shots at Indiana uh, on his podcast before he he took the Xavier job. So I think that crowd's going to be hyped. Is it Xavier or Xavier? You know, listen. <laughs> I believe the proper we, pronunciation we, is Xavier. We have a point guard name, Xavier. I believe that the proper pronunciation is Xavier. I don't know. but in I, the, I believe that for years I said Xavier, and I have been corrected. By who? By Mr. Xavier. <laughs> The bald guy in the wheelchair? Yeah, yeah, from X Men. <laughs> uh, I think it is Xavier. That's definitely our point. Xavier would be Z A V I E R. Hmm? Makes sense to me. All right, listen. Game one in the books. You know what's something that did make me sad, though? I said it on the spaces, and then I started thinking about it, and it really made me sad. We only get to play 62 halves of basketball in the regular season, not counting Big Ten tournament, not counting NCAA tournament. We just played two of them. We're one thirty-first of the way through the season. Yeah, which is about 3%. Mm -hmm. It's precious. It is precious, and yeah. it's what we live for. 
Yeah. So I just I that's why I got so upset in the first half because I just want to enjoy the ones that I think I'm going to enjoy. Yeah. I know it's not going to be enjoyable when we play North Carolina. It's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. Kansas hard. Arizona hard. Big Ten hard. When we're playing Morehead State, just give me two halves where I can be happy. Yeah. Just dunk it a lot. Let's talk real quick about the guests that we have on the show today. Well, fortunately, this was not a game where we needed a last second shot to win. Right. But if there was one player in the history of Indiana University you could have on your squad to hit a last second clutch shot, it would be this man. No doubt about it. And I do want to say to those of you who who may not have seen every episode we've done, if you go using your favorite podcast app, could be Apple Podcasts, could be Spotify, could be whatever. We did an interview with Lyndon Jones and this gentleman about a year ago, maybe a little more than a year ago. Yeah. yeah it was more than a year ago. And it was an abbreviated appearance. We had both of them. So we had to kind of bounce back and forth. And we only got through their high school career and the commitment to Indiana. And we didn't have time to do Indiana. So we thought, well, now let's split them up. We'll do part two with Lyndon some other time. And we got part two with this gentleman. And it deserved a deep dive because of the, the miraculous things he did. But beyond that, there is a human story here that we weren't sure how much he was going to want to talk about. And if you know anything about this guy, you know there were some real harrowing downtimes in his career at Indiana and beyond. And we weren't sure how much he wanted to talk about it. But I think that it's fair to say he was as open and honest and transparent about it as you could possibly ask someone to be. Yeah, And it did again what you and I have talked about ad nauseum. It takes the box score and the jersey and the highlights and fleshes the person out into this three-dimensional human that gives you such a better understanding of what is going on behind these highlights and box scores that in some cases is unimaginable for, for, for many people. Now, some people, it's very imaginable and relatable because they've been through something similar to what this guy has gone through. I, I have not. And when you hear someone tell you their story and you get into the pain that that person was going through, you can't help but empathize with this person and just want them to be okay. You know, um, well, because they're a part of the Indiana University family. And I think what's something that's such a revelation in this particular conversation is what he did to remain a part of the family and and to give us some memories that we will never forget. Like that is that is a whole new level of of admiration and awe for somebody who uh, you just kind of think, man, that guy could shoot. Yeah. And then to hear the amount of pain that was still going on while he was doing those just memorable things that we have talked about for over 30 years. Um, He opens up about that stuff. So I hope you guys give this a, a listen and listen throughout the whole thing. You can ignore the end when it's just Ward and I talking. I'm sure you usually do. But listen to this gentleman. He is an important member of the Hoosier family. And his story is an important chapter in the story of Indiana basketball. I mean, it's hanging up at the end of the, the arena. It's there. 
It is. He hung a banner. He did hang a banner. Uh, and a, and a unlikely one. Of, of shit. I said a unlikely. An unlikely is one. Is it because unlikely is spelled with an H? H. Unlikely. <laughs> an unlikely one. So uh, what do you say we get to it? Oh, I'm sure everybody's ready for that. Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, he's back. Yeah, who I'm referring to, uh, arguably the greatest clutch shooter in the history of Indiana University basketball. No big deal. Eric's got quite a few more details on this man's myriad of accomplishments. I mean, this is so much fun. I mean, it's fun to talk to every former IU basketball player, but when you talk to quite possibly the greatest, it's always a little adds a little bit more uh, oomph to it. Hailing. Many people might not know this, but originally from Muncie, by way of Marion, where all he did at Marion was win three state championships in single-class basketball when it actually mattered and counted, the real deal. He won three in a row with his good friend, Lyndon Jones, who was his partner uh, for a long time playing basketball and was on our podcast with this gentleman before in part one. He was co-Mr. Basketball in the state of Indiana. By the way, his senior year in the state title game, he went for 35 points and 16 rebounds. His junior year, they were undefeated. His senior year, they only lost one game. He then, of and they were so good in high school, they had the nickname of Purple Rain. That's how good they were. He then, of course, matriculated to Indiana University, where he became the Big Ten Freshman of the Year, averaging 19.2 points per game in conference games. He was the Big Ten Player of the Year his sophomore year, all Big Ten first team, All-American, the eighth quickest to 1,000 points at Indiana. He, of course, had three consecutive weekends that are immortal, and we will get into all of that. He has the ninth best scoring season of all time at IU. He is one of only 19 players in the history of Indiana to average 20 points per game for a season. He has the 11th best career scoring average of all time at Indiana. He has the third and fifth all-time best consecutive game streaks with a three. He is fifth all-time for threes in a season. His three-point percentage was 53.6% his freshman year, the best of all time. He had the second best Percentage in Big Ten games of all time with 57.1. He has the number one all-time Big Ten career three-point shooting percentage at 53.2. He had the fourth best free throw season of all time at Indiana at 90.8. He had the third best scoring season as a sophomore behind only Calbert Chaney and a guy named George McGinnis. He helped lead us to a Big Ten championship in 1988-89. We are talking to a gentleman who I said it at the top and I'll say it again from a talent perspective, while we got to see him for his two years at Indiana is simply one of the all time best to ever wear the candy stripes. Please welcome our man, Jay Edwards. Thanks, you guys. Thank you, guys. Thank, thanks. That is a mouthful. Appreciate that. Oh, man, it's fun. It's fun going through those. It is real fun. Uh, did anything pop out there that you didn't know? Uh, not really. I mean, I, I think I'm slipping in a lot of it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was talking to Ward and we'll get into this. The most amazing thing. I mean, you're like 50th all time in scoring at Indiana. And what is amazing about that is really you only played a year and a half at Indiana. 
because right. coach didn't play you much your first year, you know, the first 16 games or so. You were there for a year and a half, and your records and your performances simply astound. I mean, when you go back and look at them, they were and are and continue to be astounding. So we, last time we had you on, we went through high school. We went through the Purple Rain. We went through how you and Lyndon connected. We went through all of that and how you got to Indiana, including, and I, I chuckled as I went back and listened to it. I asked you when you decommitted from Denny Crum in Louisville, if you had to give back the car. No, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> so we're going to skip past all of that and get right into your career at Indiana because it requires a deep dive. So right. let's get into the 1987-88 season. And let's start with this. Steve Alford has left. Daryl Thomas has left. Keith, of course, hit the immortal shot to win the game against Syracuse. National championship team. It is a changing of the guard in many ways at Indiana with you and Lyndon coming in. And I, I know you told us last time, you didn't come in scared. You came in wanting to take your spot. But I do want to just kind of touch on when you came in, did it feel like there was a changing of the guard or did it feel like you had Keith and Dean who thought it was their team and you guys were kind of separate? What what was the overall feel when you got to Indiana and started playing in practice? Um, well, it wasn't a changing of the guard right away, for sure. I mean, uh, Keith and Dean, uh, I mean, it was their team. Uh, Steve Isle was also there. Right. Uh, Joe Hellman was a veteran. Uh, I had a good start, like at the beginning, like the first couple of scrimmages. I think I I might have went for thirty five and uh, twenty eight or something like that in the two scrimmages. So I had a good start, um, but coach didn't play me a lot at the beginning of the season at all. Yeah. So yeah, it was not till the Notre Dame game till I got really start playing. Now, did you get any indication that this was coach? Um, doing some of his psychological conditioning, or do you, do you think there was like a valid reason that that you shouldn't be on the court, or was it all just kind of a mystery and you were just waiting to see and waiting to get that turn? No, I I felt like I should have been on the court uh, from the preseason. I I I was playing pretty good. I was the I felt like I was the best guard out there at, at preseason, but. I know I had to wait my turn as a freshman, um, you know, but I know when I got my turn, it, uh, he wasn't going to get me out of there after that. <laughs> was that. Was that hard, though? Was it hard to just swallow it and be like, oh, there's there's less talented players playing ahead of me? Or or were you cool with it because you were a freshman and you knew it was just a matter of time? No, I was cool with it at the beginning. Hey, I just won a national championship, so – I had to be cool with it, you know, I mean, coming in as a freshman, but uh, I knew, like I said, I had played against them early. I knew uh, I had the talent to do it. It's just, just getting the time on the court to do it. Well, when you look at those, those first games, like that first game against Miami of Ohio, you barely played then game two against Notre Dame. You do play 10 minutes. You go off for 12 points in 10 minutes and, and you guys win that game. But then very quickly, like, there's a stretch of games, Vanderbilt, uh, JMU, uh, Washington State, Eastern Kentucky, where you're playing very sparingly, you know, and I'm sure that was frustrating for a guy who just won three state championships, clearly was tearing it up in practice. And and then it, it seemed like your your talent was going to win out. But then you did run into a roadblock where you had to sit out five games because of, of some academic stuff. 
How disappointing was that when the season was just kind of getting going and then you had to kind of take a seat for five games? What do you remember about that time? That was very disappointing. I mean, it was a, a lonely time. I had to be away from the team. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, I felt like, I, like you said, I was just coming into my own when this happened. So I, I, I wasn't uh, ineligible as far as the Big Ten was concerned. It was the Bob Knight's uh, standard. So it might have been to slow me down a little bit. I, I don't know why exactly why he did that but uh he did set me down for five games and and besides hitting the books to get him back up to coach Knight's standard what how did you pass the time would you be able to get in shots somewhere were you taking in the sights and sounds of bloomington <laughs> no i was I, I stayed at the hyper mm-hmm. i just played every day i played all day long uh, i'd play with anybody so it didn't matter what the level of competition I was out there playing. Was everybody trying to come at you when they saw Jay Edwards out there? No, I, uh, um, not really. Uh, I, I'm, <laughs> I controlled that court pretty much uh, <laughs> the two years I was there. Yeah. Yeah, you no did. No doubt. No doubt. So this, the season does not start great. We start eight and four after 12 games, 0 and 2 in the Big Ten, and then you come back for the Wisconsin game. You only play nine minutes in that first game back. This is what I mean, by the way, by only playing a year and a half. I mean, you only played nine minutes in that game, but you do come in and you score six points. Michigan State and Michigan are next. You score three and nine points, and the team is scuffling. It's nine and six and the one and four record in the Big Ten. But then there was the Ohio State game. And do you remember the Ohio State game? You scored in double digits, and that's also where Coach decided to make a bit of a change or discovered something that worked in the lineup. What do you remember about that game? I believe uh, that's the game he started, me, Lyndon, and uh, Joe. Yep. At, at uh, three-guard offense. And uh, I, I, we, I, we won that game. And uh, I think we started a, a little streak right there. I, think, I don't know how many we won in a row, but – I felt real comfortable with that lineup, uh, being with Lyndon and then also with Joe was uh, kind of my mentor. So being with them two guys on the court made it a lot easier for me. Yeah, well, that's exactly what happened. I'm curious on that three guard lineup because it goes on to to do pretty great things in the next year. Was that something the coach was playing with in practice? Had you guys done that in practice a lot where the three of you were playing together and and killing the other the other five? Well, if I, as I recall, I think we started – you have to ask Lyndon and Joe, too. I don't know. But I think we started that, that week before the Ohio State game and that week in practice. And it was – and we were we were doing well. And he was yeah. mad at Keith and, uh, and, and Dean for the start of the – they got at the Big Ten, you know, after coming from the national championship. So they their leadership, I, I don't think he was happy with that. So that's when he, he brought in the freshmen. Did you get a sense? I mean, clearly you were able to just step onto the court with with the team and start excelling. When it got into Big Ten play, was was there ever a moment, a game, a stretch as you're starting to get some run where you're like, oh, okay, this is different? Or or did you finally feel like you were you were getting uh into a, an actual game where there were people that would challenge you because maybe maybe the, I'm not thinking of it this in the right way but in high school it just seemed like there wasn't real competition for you and there was there was some there are some good teams in high school um and as far as uh my freshman year getting I mean 
I was anxious, more anxious than anything to get to get in there and, and show them what I could do. You know, uh, a couple other freshmen were doing good, Mark Macon and Dennis Scott. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking and I'm watching all the time. So, it you know, I felt like, you know, them guys were doing good. I had played with them and against them, you know, the last three years in the summer. And uh, I thought it was my time to shine. Well, if there was a coming out party for you, it happened three games after you're back from from the five game suspension, number two, Purdue comes to town. Your first right. chance to play against the rival, right? You're right. going with this three guard lineup that coach had found in the previous game. You remember what you did to number two, Purdue that game? Yeah, I remember. We won- I know we won. Uh, um, yeah, that was, a, that was exciting. Uh, playing against the number two team in the nation and uh, being at home. I know that helped. And uh, just, uh, and playing against Troy Lewis, uh, yeah. You know, he had he had beat Marion in high school. So I, I, I don't I don't forget much. And I, <laughs> I was <laughs> I was looking to get back at him. Yeah. Well, you got back at him at the tune of 22 points. So your high up until that point was 11. And then you go off for 22. Dean Garrett hits a 15 footer with, I think, like six seconds left in that game to, to clinch it. Um, was that the first time where you thought, I mean, you're you're at Assembly Hall. It's Purdue. They're number two in the country. That had to have been the first time where the crowd lost their minds in your career, something that you would become very attuned to. But was that the first time that happened? And what did that feel like to beat Purdue and to be in that atmosphere? Well, yeah, it, it, it was crazy. And then I made a couple plays um, that I remember uh, a spin move I did in the open court. And that's why that's the loudest I've heard it in, in a, when I was there. It got real loud then. And, uh, Wait, wait, it what was, was the it move? was just fun. What was the uh, move at half court? What was the move? You spun and then what? I, I just laid it up. I, when I spun, I left him right where he was at. So, it was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, so and that you, was it. Had you, um, you know, even even growing up, but but now that you were an Indiana Hoosier, had you started feeling the rivalries? Because Ohio State, obviously, there were great rivalry with with Indiana through those years and beyond, and Purdue especially. Is that something kind of like getting into your blood, under your skin, that you really wanted to kill these guys more than, say, Minnesota? Yeah, of course. I mean, you're hearing the, from the, the fans, and it's the Coach Knight. Coach Knight, I mean, he'll let you know who the teams he wants to beat, and the Purdue was definitely one of them uh Kentucky was definitely one of them I mean there's yeah. there was certain teams that he did not want to lose to uh, <laughs> Michigan was one of them <laughs> yeah. yeah well yeah. you go on a five-game winning streak at that point you beat Ohio State you beat Purdue you beat Minnesota beat Illinois beat Northwestern and here are your scoring outputs in those five games obviously Ohio State we talked about but then Purdue 22 Minnesota 18 Illinois 27 hmm. Northwestern 16 you have now won five in a row. The team is now 14 and six and six and four. You went from basically being dead to, oh, now we got a shot at the tournament, right? Because right, at one and right. four, you're thinking, oh, my God, we're yeah. going to miss the tournament. But right. now things start rolling and you just your game seems to take off. You then go for three games in a row of more than 20 points, 29 against. Let's talk about Michigan. You go for 29 oh. in your game against Michigan. And yeah. this is. People talk about how good the Big Ten is now. Please. The Big <laughs> Ten back then was yeah. just. It was outrageous. Yeah, it was yes. outrageous. I mean, I think I had Gary Grant on me most of the game. And he was defensive player of the year. And uh, Yes. Yeah, I mean, they had a great team. I think that, that team probably was better than the team in 89. Mm, right. 
Uh, you go for 29 in that game. Uh, and now you, you, you go off for uh, 20 against Purdue again in, in a loss that year. Wisconsin, 15 points. Illinois, a really good team. You go for 29. And now the team is 16 and 9 and 8 and 7, heading into your final three games of the year where this is going to determine the postseason or not. Do you remember anything about that time of like the team kind of coming together, being like, no more screwing around. We got to win these games. Like, what do you remember from that time, Jay? Uh, it was, my freshman year, I was like, I, I was just soaking it in. Uh, I wasn't really nervous about the tournament and stuff like that. I was just enjoying what was happening. The, you know, my play, I was playing good and the team was winning. And uh, I think all that was going to take care of itself. Well, that's what well, Coach Knight always preached to just the one game at a time. So that's all we was thinking about. Yep. Well, and as well as your game was rolling, I mean, there was a stretch there in the in the home stretch where where you guys lost three of five and and maybe had lost that momentum. And to Eric's point, you you had to get it back at the end to get into the tournament. Was Coach still just about one game at a time at that point, or or did you? did you as a team and you individually start to experience, you know, we know coach Knight was like measured. There was only a few times a year that he would lose his shit because he knew it would be more effective that way. Did did you see that? Was there like a real certain, like incredibly difficult practice you remember or, or something he might've done to light an extra fire under your ass? It was just, it was just a rough, it was just a rough year. Uh, As far as the team was concerned, uh, uh, the things were going on with Ricky Callaway. Right. Because I felt like if he would have played, we would have never lost in the first round in, anyway. And we, I think we would, our record in the Big Ten would have been a lot better too. Uh, he was a great player, but him and Coach Knight were having their thing. And uh, that kind of spilled out on us. That's when we when we were losing them games and things were going on. That uh, Things with Ricky were really bad. Yeah, you know, it seemed like there were two kind of bad things going on. One was Ricky, which of course results in him transferring to Kansas. But the other thing is the the Keith storyline throughout the whole year was weird, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, even what with, was that it, from your perspective? What did you feel during that time? Even with me, I mean, it was just like I couldn't read. I could never read Keith. Uh, he probably tell about the same about me, but I just couldn't read him. I mean, I didn't. I didn't know if he was trying to mentor me or he was uh trying to i don't i didn't know i couldn't read him i i uh I, I, he probably was going through his thing you know he was trying to get to the nba and he was having a terrible season so you know he was going through his own thing too so i mean uh i couldn't like you say I, I it was just hard to read keith that year he was he had he would have a couple good games then he would be lost for two or three games it's funny. I read a quote that that somebody said that Coach Knight wished during that season that someone else would have hit the title winning shot the year before because he thought that that put so much pressure from other people on Keith and Keith put that on himself like, oh, now I'm a superstar. I have to be a superstar. And yeah, and that yeah. wasn't Keith's game. I, I you know? can see that. I can see that. Uh, yeah, I can see that where when I came into the season, it was him and Dean were, you know, they were talking big, you know, like what, you know, what was going to happen in the season and what they were going to do. And I just didn't see that game and out of Keith, like you said, he was, a, he was more of a role player, uh, a great role player, but just yeah. a role player. Yeah. 
Uh, talk a little bit about your relationship with Joe Hillman. You mentioned it on the last time of our podcast where Lyndon and you both said, like, Joe really was your guy from the upperclassmen. He obviously you formed this three headed monster on the guards. But what was Joe like? Uh, you guys come from very different backgrounds, very yeah. different places, but you meshed. What What yeah, was it about uh, Joe that made it easy? That was this Joe. I mean, Joe made that happen. I mean, I, I was probably being a knucklehead my freshman year. I thought I was better than <laughs> than anything coming. So I mean, uh, he 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 let me be me for a little while until I grew up a little bit, and uh, and that's when we really started meshing. Uh, uh, he taught me everything, and without him, I wouldn't have got no MVP or any, any of that stuff. I mean, he 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 really taught me the guard position. Wow. <laughs> What do you remember? As far as the uh, Coach Knight's system, right, right. Uh, I mean, could, he really, yeah, he he was the best at it. Speak a little specifically about that. Like, what are the couple of uh, maybe things of of running a Coach Knight team that he he enlightened you to? I mean, uh, as far as this this the Exodus X and O's part of it, like the the what, the, what cut to make, what uh when to make a flare cut, when to make a curl cut. Just everything, uh, and and this uh, as far as the read coach Knight, uh, he he could read coach Knight better than anybody. You know, he know when to tell the team just to relax, or if he he knew when to push the team, and right. really push it. You know, like he knew when coach wanted that. So I mean, I I was starting to learn that, and I I know I would have carried on if I would have stayed, but you know, me leaving it, I didn't get a chance to. <laughs> What was your relationship like with Coach Knight your freshman year? Did it did it grow? Did it build? Was it? Could you be oh, honest yeah. with each other? Like what? Oh was yeah, it like? I was, it, uh, on the court it was great. Uh, I mean, by the end of the year, he was calling me in the office and asking me, you know, who who should uh, maybe start or what positions wow. and stuff like that. So for him to do that for me as a freshman, that was big. Well, and that's got to be beyond. Hey, Jay can really score. He's a great shooter. As as Lyndon said in our last show, you're a really, really smart basketball player. So do you think you were just able to to see the game in a way, um, especially after, you know, the better part of a season with Coach Knight? Could you start to see the game the way yeah, uh, he did? Like you like like you said, not at the beginning. I because <laughs> uh, uh, Bill Green and Coach Knight's philosophies were a lot different, but uh uh, I did get it. At the, I, I was getting it, and I think I did get it by my sophomore year. And I, I think I'd have just got it would have grew even if I would have stayed. You know, it's funny. One of the things that I think is um, a misconception on coach is you know, there's the old thing about the only guy that ever was able to hold Michael Jordan under 20 points was Dean Smith. You know, that's oh. a, the old joke about it. Yeah, and yeah, there's like yeah. a misnomer about Coach Knight that like. You ha he only knows one way and you have to play his way and he doesn't let guys like be themselves. But you look at your box scores. He didn't mind you shooting the ball clearly. No, like, no, I mean, no. He let you yeah. be you. What did you feel free in coach's system, but still were able to bring your flair to it? Yeah, I mean, I, I did. I mean, I, he even pushed me to be more free as my freshman year as it as the year went on. You know, mm -hmm. he, he let me get more more freedom. I mean, I could come down. And that three goal without a pass, and, and nobody could do that, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, he he would not say nothing. So wow. yeah, he he yeah he 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 let me be me. That's for sure. So what? your last three games um, of the regular season: Ohio State, Minnesota, and Iowa. Ohio State, nineteen points, which ends up being like a pedestrian game for you. No big deal. Just drop nineteen. But Minnesota, 
you you lose your mind. I mean, you lose right. your mind. We talk to players who that rare condition of being in the zone. I right. have to think that that was one of those games for you. What do you remember about that game and how it felt? And do you remember a moment in that game where you knew everything I put up is going in in this game? Well, and just to set it up for the listeners, that was a game of 36 points and eight three-pointers. Yes. Uh, the only thing I'd hate it that the game stopped. I mean, it was uh, – <laughs> it was – it was uh that the, yeah that that court if if uh, the uh, your listeners don't know <clears throat> it's called the barn it's still called the barn yeah and uh, the is. court is up high you know you had to step up to get on the court and uh I I, I just love the atmosphere there and it, it the, the the rims it looked like they were bigger or something and uh every time I let it go and I even started letting it go I used, I think I started let it go higher every time I shot it it, was, it seemed like the the threes were going higher every, you know, each one were going a little higher. So, I mean, I was really feeling it that game. Wow. Well, 36 points, like Ward said, eight threes, then Iowa to end the season, 24 points. You win three in a row to finish 11 and seven in the big 10. Well, and, and that was a number 15 Iowa team. Yeah. And you guys scored 116 points. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that, we, that... Everybody was rolling that game. Yeah. <laughs> But they, they they make you roll. I mean, Iowa presses you the whole game, and if you, it's, you got one pass and it's a layup or a shot, so I mean, they're gonna make you go. Was that a BJ Armstrong Iowa team your freshman year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. BJ Roy Marble, uh, Ed yeah. Horton. That was yeah. A, I mean, uh, that team. People forget that team the year before almost made it to the Final Four. Yeah, I think and they then, lost. I think they're the, the, the next year or my sophomore year. They were ranked number one preseason. Yes, exactly. I mean, they, these teams were loaded when you're playing. Uh, so so look, I mean, you have this tremendous run of games. Now, this is a different era in basketball where jumping to the NBA didn't really happen all that much. But you have I mean, you're scoring 20 points a game. I mean, it's crazy. Are you thinking about the NBA at the end of season one? Is that crossing your mind at all? No, no, uh, not at all. Um uh... Not at all. I just, uh, I just, I, I know I had to come back for another year. I, I want to think about the NBA at all. I just uh, looking forward to the next year, and I, I knew it was going to be a good year. Right. So that year does end with a bit of a whimper. We we get into the tournament, yeah. Richmond. Yeah. Uh, you score sixteen points. We lose by three. Hellman misses a three at the buzzer that could have put it into overtime. How angry were you? How angry was Coach Knight at the end of that game? Oh, I was very disappointing. Uh, I was just a freshman, so I didn't really know about the the tournament. I know our high school, we never we never lost, but you know, it was a it was a different a different atmosphere. It was like we were playing. I forget where we played on the East Coast. I think and it, it was the gym wasn't full. It was half mm-hmm. full, and it was cold. And you know, you really got to go in there and get yourself ready. And uh, we came out flat and that team stuck around and uh, I think they ended up beating Georgia tech after us. Uh, they did. Uh, beat yeah, they made the yeah. Sweet 16. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so what do you take? Like, what do you take leaving that game on that miserable flight home? Were you, were, were you already thinking about how you wouldn't let that happen again? Oh yeah. Um, it was just, like I said, it was just a disappointing year, mainly because of Ricky and, uh, after that game, you know, talking to him, I knew he wasn't going to be around next year. So, you know, I was dealing with that. And this, uh, it was just, it, it was just, uh, like you said, a whimper at the end of the year, bad. It was just bad. 
to get into it a little bit, because we haven't covered it much, but Ricky Callaway was such a big part of the team winning the title in 87 as a freshman. Um, and then obviously it just felt like he could be such a great player. What, what happened between he and coach Knight? Was it just different personalities or did something happen? Coach Knight, from what I was getting out of it, coach Knight was, uh, comparing him to Glenn Rice and seeing and seeing how Glenn Rice had, uh, you know, had improved so much. And, and Rick, he said that Rick hadn't improved as much as him. And I, I don't know. I, I felt like it was just pick, picking, picking at him, but, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I didn't see it. Got it. Yeah. Uh, then of course, so your freshman year ends, uh, time to get ready for next year. And again, you know, if Steve Alford and, and those guys leaving Daryl Thomas, Rick Meyer leaving, uh, at the end of, or not Rick Meyer, what was his name? Meyer, Todd Meyer, Todd Meyer. Todd leaving. Meyer yeah. Right now it's definitely a changing of the guard because Keith and Dean are gone. Ricky leaves. And even in this offseason, Joe Hillman is toying with the idea of going professional baseball. So right. it's a really tumultuous offseason on that. And you are joined by, you know, some freshmen, but specifically Eric Anderson, who, right. who God rest his soul. Yes. Uh, but a really skilled big that, that ended up being a big part of Indiana's success over the next several years. Um, yeah, was that was a great surprise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were, you, were you close with Eric when he came in? Did you get yeah, close was, to him? that was my roommate, my, my sophomore year. Ended wow. up being my roommate. Yeah. Tell us, yeah. you know, for those we, we don't have the pleasure, obviously, of having him on the show and talking to him. What was Eric like? Oh, Eric was the greatest. I mean, he I mean, uh coming in as a freshman, I mean, he had a lot of heart. He I mean, like you said, that year there was so many good teams and a lot of good got a lot of good big men in in the Big Ten. And uh he held his own with all of them. I mean, he he I don't know what happened after I left, but he uh that freshman year, he, he played great. I mean, he played great. He was a great teammate. Anything you needed, he was there for you. And then another teammate who's very different, but also very beloved by the Indiana fan base. Could you tell us a little bit about Meeksy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Meeksy, yeah, that little spark plug, man. He just, yeah. When, you, when you're feeling like you might be down a little bit, uh, Jamal will be there to, to pick you up. I mean, he ain't going to let you be down for too long. He's... He's a great guy, man. He's uh he's one of a kind. He, 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 he's and he's a great defensive player. I mean, he if I tell me go get me a steal, he'll go get me a steal. <laughs> now now he's he's in the neighborhood again. He's up there in Muncie with Michael Lewis. You're gonna get back to your your place. Yeah, I've already seen him a couple times. I've seen him a couple times. I'm gonna get up there and see him. Uh oh great. I'll leave me some tickets. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's great. So Listen, there's a ton of ups in your IU career, and there's a couple downs. I think we got to talk at least about what happens in September of your sophomore year. Fail a drug test, and a lot of people are worried about you at this oh, time. Yeah. You know, there's there's a quote from your mom. Um, you know, we wanted to get him help now and not see him dead in a year or two. Oh, and yeah. a lot of people are worried, not the yeah. least of which is a guy named Steve Downing, who is yeah. on the staff at Indiana. Yeah. Can you talk to us, Jay, a little bit about that time, what Steve Downing meant to you, and just kind of, you know, try to put us back then and, and what was going on in your life at that point, and how do you how do you get to that light at the end of that dark tunnel? Man, uh, well, uh, it, it was bad. Um, you know, I had started dibbling and dabbling with, uh, with drugs in, in the end of my high school, so... 
uh, in the in the summer times, uh, I, I would dibble dabble with it and uh, mm-hmm. and dibble and dabble on where it get you. It, it starts to get you uh, addicted to it. So I got to the point where I needed to stop, but I I I couldn't, and I got caught in a drug test, and and they they had a good right to be worried about me because. Uh, it ended up being that that's something that I had problems with until I was almost 40 years old. So, wow. yeah. So it, it, it's something that dragged on too. And when you're going through something like that, I mean, obviously Lyndon is your brother, you know, mm-hmm. and I would imagine that Lyndon going back to high school probably knows some of your challenges and struggles that you've been through, but he's also your brother. So he can't, he's not going to leave you. You know what I mean? He's going right, to be right. there for you. Right. But what's happening at that time with somebody like Lyndon? Is he coming to you to try to help you through that? Is he just trying to stay arm's distance and, and yeah, let he's just like you said, he's just being a brother. He was he was there. Uh, he would call me, make sure I was all right. You know, that's just something I had to deal about on my on my own. I mean, I'd have stretches of of of, of, of greatness of where I you know would be clean and you know two three years, but it's something that I just dragged on throughout my life. And how did Steve Downing enter the picture? And what did Steve mean to you at that point in your life? Well, Steve was like, you know, uh, almost like a father figure. He was, he, he was, uh, you know, where everybody was looking down on me or whatever. He was there, you know, letting me know it it, it was going to be okay. I was like, I couldn't see like it was going to be okay, but he, ended, he was right. He ended up being okay. So, you know, I just took it one day at a time and, uh, and listened to whatever, you know, the, the, uh, things they had me doing uh i had to do step steps to get back on the team and i took them steps and got back yeah and in something like that are you um is there even room in in the regimen in the program and whatever you have to get through to continue like can you get to a court and find refuge there can you get some shots up or or were you just the game was completely gone to you Oh, I was, yeah, I was completely away from the game for 30, 30 days. Wow. Uh, for 30, I couldn't even, I didn't even use the phone for four, like, I don't know, three weeks, I think it was. So, wow. yeah, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was hard, but it was something I needed. And, and Coach Knight during that time, are you having any conversations with Coach Knight during that time? No, I was just talking to Steve and uh, Joby a little bit, I think I sure. remember. Yeah, Steve, Steve Downing was... My, my parlay guy that I would talk to. Do you still um, talk to Steve? Yeah, when I see him uh, when I'm in town, I know he's he's still at uh where is he at uh in Indianapolis, yeah. So yeah. yeah. I see him every once in a while. That's great. Mm-hmm. So when you complete the steps and you can get back out onto the court, is there is there like a renewed love and passion and and desire to to prove uh what you have on that court? Oh yeah, I mean, uh, as far as I was concerned, I wasn't even supposed to be playing my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I was, it was, <laughs> it was funny. I, they were taking team pictures. They take one picture with me and one p- picture without me. Oh, <laughs> really? That's rough. Oh That's yeah. Rough. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's stuff I had to laugh at, man. Like, you had to laugh at it or shit. You know, yeah, or else it'll kill you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That, that that's crazy. Yeah. The, the other part that's crazy is coach takes your scholarship away. Oh yeah, yeah. So Take my scholarship away. I um, I worked at a construction company all summer, 
splitting bricks. And so I'd come that, and you were doing I'd go straight to, to the hyper after that. Were you you were working construction to pay for college? To pay for my college, yeah. I didn't get none of the checks. No. I didn't see a wow. check. Yeah. Wow. So I got How- through that. And I had to I had to drive. I had to uh I couldn't drive. I took my car from me and chopped my tires and uh I had to uh ride a bike to work back and back to the hyper. I, I wonder looking back at it, because we do live in a different time now where people know a lot more about addiction and that it's a disease. And and I wonder sort of maybe an old school approach of Coach Knight that way. Do you do you think that was effective? Do you think that's what you needed at that point? Or do you think in this day and age, 30 plus years later, there'd be a better way to handle somebody who's having that struggle? It's the only only thing uh, it's going to that a person is going to has to want to do it. It don't matter what anybody else does. Right. If that person don't want to stop. It, they're not going to stop. That's the, that's the way it is. Ain't nobody not, nothing you can do to make that person stop. And I know it, it, it. You know, I've had I've been on the other side of it too when I've had a loved one that I wanted to stop, and and I've been on the other end, and it's it's yeah, you're just you're just helpless. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, and coach took a lot of heat at that time for keeping you on the team. You know, I think oh, there were people, people were saying, Oh, you got to get rid of them. You know, uh, again, I think a little bit to like what Ward was saying when people did not realize, like, this is not like a choice. Somebody is just making, you know, there right, was something right. else going on here, but coach took some heat, but, but coach didn't want you off the team. He wanted you on the team. And I'm sure, look, let's be honest you were one of the best players in the entire country. So I'm sure part of it was that, but I also have to think part of it was he cared about you. Oh, and yeah, he thought he, he like, it's better did. for you to be on the team than not on the team. He definitely cared about me. Yeah. He, he gave me a couple chances probably where he wouldn't have gave another player, but uh, he, he, like I said, he, I had to go through the steps to get back and I, and I did it. I did. And them steps wasn't easy. Yeah. Right. Well, and you yeah. saying, in order to get through that, you have to want it. Do you remember what it was making you want to 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 get clean? Uh, well, uh, to play basketball, basically. That's what you know. That's yeah. all it was. I mean, at that point, I was only nineteen years old, so I, I had no I had no plan to stand probably clean at that point. You know, right. I just was staying clean to play ball. Yeah, truthfully, yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about ball because you're entering a season now where it's clearly your and Lyndon's team uh, and Joe Hillman, who's a senior leader at this point. But here's how loaded the Big Ten is that year. Four separate Big Ten teams. And by the way, this is when the Big Ten was actually 10 teams and not like 14. (laughs) Four spent time ranked in the top five that year. Two go to the final four and one wins the national championship in Michigan. That's how good the the Big Ten is. And the season starts and you, you know, a little bit up and down to start. You score 14 points against Illinois State in a blowout. But then you go off for 27 against Stanford, get blown out by Syracuse and North Carolina. But you go off for 31 against North Carolina, 27 against Miami of Ohio, 18 against Louisville and 11 against Notre Dame. But again, we're at a weird point in the season because the, sh- the team starts three and four that year. And just like the year before, when he found this three guard lineup that worked, it's like he kind of forgot about it. Right. <laughs> right. And yeah. I'm sure you, Lyndon and, and Joe were probably like, hey, <laughs> let's do this again. Well, and, yeah, yeah. And in the Notre Dame game, even though you lose that game, 
the three of you are in the game and the offense starts to tick. What right. do you remember? I, I, had, it- I had a terrible game. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut, cut you off. No, I had no, a terrible game. It. If I would have had a better game that game, we probably didn't won that game. I had a terrible game. The fans treated me really bad that game. <laughs> yeah. Really bad. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Crucially well, bad. Should- yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I'm going to get into, I know Purdue fans treated you real bad in a game coming up here, but, but you had the last laugh on that one. Uh, so here's an interesting stat about how bad that season started before that season. Only one team had ever scored a hundred points against a Bob Knight team in the first seven games. It happened three times. (laughs) So (laughs) it's, it's, it's not looking good, but then he goes with three, then he goes with the three guard lineup. Uh, yeah, I, I I just want in in that like after the third one hundred point game, like did you think his his head was going to explode? Was he just like losing his mind? Yeah, I mean, not really, not really. I mean, he said some he said some funny stuff. I mean, some real funny stuff. I mean, can you, can uh, you quote any yeah, of it? But uh, I can't say it on the air. But yeah, he <laughs> he he said some funny stuff. Uh, but he he really stayed calm i mean he wasn't really he wasn't tripping that that bad i mean hmm. we we knew we had a, a t- we wouldn't i think we were picked to be seventh or yes eighth in the big ten or something yes. sixth seventh in the big ten because yeah. there wasn't a lot of pressure on us you know to to do really good but uh i think he had a, a notion that we were going to be pretty good well hmm. that's what's nuts because i just want to read this like look the year before you did have Keith Smart, who started on a national title team. You did have Dean Smart, who spent many years in the NBA and playing professionally. You did have a bunch of talent. This year's team, let's just say it's not one of the most loaded teams in Big Ten history or Indiana right. history. Right. We're talking about Chucky White, Mark Robinson, Todd Jadlow, <laughs> Magnus Pelkowski, Jamal Meeks, Matt Nover was redshirted, Eric Anderson, really good player, Greg right. Smith, Joe Hillman, Brian Sloan, you, Linden, and Joe... And then Eric are really it when it comes to talent. So I understand they're not being the pressure or the expectation, but then something happens that is just one of the most remarkable stories in the history of the Indiana basketball story. After that Notre Dame game, something clicks. What do you remember about things starting to roll at that point? Um, Well, I took it on myself a lot too. The, uh, I knew we didn't have nothing to lose. <clears throat> we, you know, we wasn't, like I said, we weren't picked to do, you know, really well. So uh, I took it over myself. I knew I was going to try to, you know, force the issue a little bit more, uh, uh, get some more shots up and see what happens. And uh, it did, like you said, it all just started coming together and uh, the confidence just, just started rising. Can well, you talk wanna... about can you talk about what what it was like what was the actual difference on the court in in the actions on the offensive end or what you're doing on the defensive end that changed going from three guard going to three guards cuz i i guess you know in terms of the motion offense it's like well how is that different with three guards as opposed to two forwards well it just opens it opens everything up it's just a constant motion it was just constant motion and you're going to have to chase me and you're going to be tired by the end of the game. You're going to be really tired because I was in really good shape and I could run all day. And I just, I just, what I did, me, Joe and Lyndon, I mean, Lyndon handled the ball a lot, but me and Joe just ran off picks. That's what we did. We, we'd run down, cross each other and, and start running off picks. And I, I had the, the ability to get the ball and, and, 
and make a, you know, make my own move sometimes. So, and my, like I said, my confidence just started just growing. And I, I, I felt like, you know, I could take my team and and to the, to a victory. Most, most games. So let's focus on you roll off four straight wins after that Notre Dame game. And then you got to go to that shithole Rupp arena and play Kentucky, who we know everybody wants to be. And Lyndon gets his nose broke in that game. So what do you remember about that game and when Lyndon gets his nose broke? Because it seems like the team just goes crazy after that. <laughs> well, yeah, um, I remember that. And I just remember going in there. Uh, Coach Knight was just really wanting to beat Kentucky. He's really mad because Sean Kemp was supposed to sign with us. I mean, I took him out on his visit and everything. He said he was coming. And the next thing you know, he heard he was going to Kentucky. And You, you mean he, next he, thing he, you know he, and a duffel bag of cash later? Yeah, 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 whatever okay. he got. Yeah, yeah. He, he lost it. He, and Coach Knight knew that. And uh, that's yeah. why he is extra mad. Uh, so he wanted to go in there and win that game. I remember yeah. that much. Yeah. Well, you go off for 21 at Kentucky, hostile environment. You guys win that game. It's your fifth win in a row. And you're just getting started on this kind of magical run. You start to roll. I mean, 20 points against St. Bonaventure, 24 against Ohio State. And then you go at Purdue. So you beat Purdue at home the year before, but look, Ward and I never played basketball. I can't imagine there is anything better than going to a rival's home court and beating them on their home court. Oh yeah. You, you go to Mackey, you hit five of six free throws at the end of that game to ice it away, 22 points, and you beat them in the face of, we talked about fans being hard on oh, you. Oh yeah. Do you remember what the fans were chanting that game? Uh, I was in the zone, but I remember. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> you want to tell? You want to tell our listeners? What well, they were well I, no, I don't remember. What did? What did it say? They was were it chanting, just say no. Just say no. Yes, say no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you? Re uh, you said you were in a zone, but did you hear that? And did it? Did that hurt? Oh no! They, you know, especially my guys. They would be. They would really tell me. Get like every time they would hear that, they would tell me to get going. They would give me the ball, and tell me to get going. So that is, every time they would hear it, especially Joe, yeah, he would like, yeah, he, he would get me the ball and, and have me scoring as soon as they start. Yeah. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. That's a teammate right there. Man. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Now I do want to uh, add, yeah. like, ask the question, rephrase it even in terms of nothing better than going in and beating a rival on their own court. If you if you had to pick one game to win, like tomorrow, would you rather have it? In Bloomington, where they're all going nuts for you, or just shutting those Boilermakers up up in West Lafayette? <laughs> yeah, I mean, be, beating Purdue. I mean, I don't know. This would sound crazy, but Purdue wasn't. I mean, I I, I had a feeling we was going to beat Purdue. It's been that way. I wasn't like I was worried about Purdue. Uh, <laughs> Michigan, on the other hand, something like that. And I going into Michigan and beat Michigan at that at that time was something special. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's coming up. That is coming up. So yeah. uh, you are rolling here. 22 Purdue, 22 Northwestern, 20. This is my one of my favorites. You played Wisconsin. Your team scored 61. You had 27 of them. I mean, you basically <laughs> scored half of the team. Did, did we win that game in overtime? Yes, you did. Yeah, you won okay. that game. Yeah. You you are in a streak of winning 13 in a row, I believe, right? Warren? That was the thing. Another thing. I didn't mean to cut you off, but the no, thing that I, uh, I felt like 
the, the, the games we were supposed to win, I wasn't going to let us lose them games. And I knew if I, if I, if I could uh, get us to win them games, that we'd have a good chance to win the Big Ten. Well, you, you do. And now let's talk about Michigan. They're ranked sixth in the country. They are loaded with talent so much that they end up winning the national championship. I mean, this oh, is yeah, an incredible yeah. team. You go to Michigan and you are down 55 to 54 with seven minutes and 38 seconds left. And then you take over the game. Uh-huh. You score 11 points in the next four minutes. <laughs> And we win our 13th in a row. But walk us through that game, what you remember about that game specifically. I, I mean, I, I just remember just being really excited. I mean, because I knew uh, when that game was, we would be in a really good spot. And uh, I never wanted to win. I mean, that, that was a big game. I wanted to win that game. I remember slamming the ball down on the ground when it was over, you know, letting my emotion out. I usually don't do that. So that, that was a big game for me. <laughs> When we talked about the zone earlier, and I wonder if if you can describe the difference because Jay, the way you normally play, the way you know, like is something beyond what ninety nine point nine nine percent of all humans could do. Just your your normal game. When you're in the zone, how did how did that feel different for you? Well, being in the zone, I mean, I. I most games, I, I, you know, I felt like I, you know, when I was shooting, I felt good. But being in the zone, you're just not going to miss. I mean, I felt like I, I wasn't ever going to miss. You know, uh, that don't happen too often. But yeah, when it does, it, it, like you just, you, like I said, I didn't want the game to end. You just want to keep playing. <laughs> Give me well, the ball. Yeah, it happened for you more than it happens for most. We win 13 in a row. Then you play number one, Illinois. You go off for 18 points. We do lose that game. A tough game. Then get back on the train, Iowa, 22 points, Minnesota, 20, uh, 15 points, Northwestern, 24 points. But now we get back to Purdue, which starts, I mean, just three weekends in a row of the most magical games that have ever happened for a regular season at Indiana. Purdue comes to town. You go off for 27 points, but 32 seconds left in the game. The game is tied. You you hit your first game winning shot basically here. What do you remember about that shot against Purdue? Um, I remember like the the couple of plays before that. I think the guy's name is uh, Claiborne, Claiborne, the guard for Purdue. Okay, I took the ball from him and and threw it to Meeks, and he laid it up, and that set it up for the the shot. And uh, I remember getting the ball, and I I just knew I was going to take that shot. I'm just going to try to take it down as, as far as I could, and uh, I took him to my my sweet spot and I, and I kind of rocked him and he, he fell for the rock and, and I, I got the shot open shot. No, wait, what is your sweet spot? Is it the baseline? No. Well, it's like the, the elbow, elbow between the elbow, like elbow ish. Yeah. Got it. Right around there. Yeah. Got it. Cause if you never notice, I always go left. I don't never go. I never, I ever figured it out. I don't know why, but that's so weird. Right? Cause tape, it's not your, I, not I your never, dominant hand. Yeah, I know. I broke, I broke my right hand when I was uh, in eighth grade. So I dribbled the, for a year with my left, and then just kept doing it. And I, yeah, I always always went left, always went left. <laughs> wow, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I when it's time for that shot. I mean, it just sounded like you knew we were going to get the ball. You knew we were going to take them. Have you always just like from your early basketball memories, like wanted to be the guy who who 
who took the shot because even great players on great teams, most of them aren't that guy. Is that something you just right. always were? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I always, I just feel like uh, if we're, if we're going to lose or win, it's going to be up to me. I mean, uh, why not? I mean, I felt like I was the, the best shooter on our team. So, I mean, the, the best score, the best player, as far as offense was concerned. So, I think I should shoot the shot, you know. Uh, if there was somebody better that that, that could shoot it, and yeah, I'd feel like I would give that shot to him. I gave it. I gave it to uh, Joe Hillman against Richmond. Yeah, that's the last time I gave the ball up. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about the next game because let's rinse and repeat here on being the guy, number thirteen, Michigan, who's pissed off. You beat them on their home court. They come back. You go off for 23 points in the game, but let's go through the end of the game. With 54 seconds left, you hit two free throws to cut the lead to two. Glenn Rice comes down, shoots up a bank shot, misses. Eric Anderson rebounds it with eight seconds left. What do you remember from eight seconds to the end of that game? We're down by two points. Well, again, I was trying I was trying to get to my sweet spot, and I knew Lyndon had the ball. I knew he, he was going to bring it to me. I just, I just knew that, you know. And so I went, I, I ran down the left side of the court, but the, we didn't have enough time to do what I wanted to do. So basically I just ran to the ball and I don't know what they were looking at or who they were trying. I think they were trying to stop Lennon, I guess. And uh, he threw me a, a weak bounce pass. And <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I got there and uh, yeah, I got it up and it went in. And I, I, it felt good when I let it go. Well, well, I was going to ask that uh, for both that and the Michigan game. Did you know it was in when it left your hand? The Purdue game. The or Purdue the Purdue game. game. Yes, I'm sorry. The Purdue game. Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely the Purdue game and the Michigan game also. I felt it, it, it felt good. I didn't get to see it go in because uh, I think Sean Higgins jumped out at me. But uh, when, the, when the crowd went up, obviously I knew it had went in. So we are now 11 and 1 in the conference, a team that was supposed to finish seventh or eighth is 11 and one. Uh, you're in the driver's seat to win the big 10. And we've got then Michigan state. You go for 21, Minnesota, 17, Ohio state. You go for 34 points. And with that game, you clinch a tie for the big 10 title at 34. That's, that, that's when I hurt my knee. Is that right? That game. Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I think I got a steal and uh, I was going in for a layup. And I think Grady Mateen, he's a seven footer, was trying to catch me. And I jumped and and I ruptured my patellar tendon, not now, ruptured it all the way, but it tore. But now you don't miss any time for that. No, I didn't miss no time, but I was playing on a half leg. Oh, wow, uh, I did not know that. I did not and know that's that. That's what that's what that's what killed me in the NBA, too. Also, it was the same thing. I did, you know, I should have told somebody. Right. I didn't. And uh, yeah, I was playing when I got to the NBA. I was, it was even worse. Now, I, I want to take a pause here before we get to the end of this year uh, and okay. these last few games, because right. you, you have look, you were a legend coming from high school because of what Purple Rain was. And it is almost impossible to live up to the expectations that people had for you coming into college. But you did. You exceeded them. And in this stretch where you're hitting huge shots, you have now become an instant legend at Indiana. How good does it feel to be a legend at Indiana when you're 19, 20 years old and oh, you get man. to go? Yeah, what Very. is that like, Jay? 
<laughs> man, it was it was it was like surreal. Basically, it was this. Uh, it was uh, the the where the fame, the stardom, it went to an all new level, man. It, it it went. I couldn't even go nowhere. I couldn't. If I went somewhere, it was like yeah, the crowd of people, you know. And yeah. it was it was serious, man. I was like, it was it, it got kind of crazy there for me. Well, no, I mean, obviously, there's there's good and bad in that. Like, what, wh where did that measure out for you? Were you almost like, no, I, I, I kind of wish it wasn't good for me. It wasn't good for me at all, right? Because at that time, I was still struggling, and then with you know everybody trying to give you this, give you that, give you whatever you want. At that point, uh, you know, it wasn't good for me. Uh, my my personality, it was. Uh, I didn't have enough good people around me. I think as far as older people, mm -hmm. you know, that, that tell me, you know, what not to do. And were you hiding a lot of that stuff from other people during that time? Of course. That's what, that's what people, that's what, uh, that's what addicts you do. do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. gotta be a pretty scary time for you because on one hand you're on top of the mountain, you know, everybody's talking about you as player of the year candidate NBA. Right. And on right. the other hand, you know, that you're doing something that could end all of that. For and, you. And, I'm, and on top of that, I'm hurt. And I'm not and on top of that, you're hurt. Or by the way, are you taking like painkillers and stuff to numb the oh, pain? I'm, I'm swallowing them. I'm a, 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 a anti-inflammatory uh, anti medicine. I'm just swallowing them just, to, just so I can play. If you notice, I always have a red, red sleeve on my knee for the rest of the year. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah it, it was bad, man. Yeah. And emotionally how hard was that for you was it a lonely existence even though you got all these people who want you something from you was it a lonely oh, yeah. existence at that it, point yeah it, it was at that point yeah uh because uh yeah you know i i hadn't i hadn't told nobody about my injury really i you know tim girl knew a little bit but i didn't really tell him how bad it was hurt you know because i would I, i'd get the treatment and i'd be okay you know for that day and i'd ice it down and it, it got me by <laughs> I I don't know. Maybe this is a stretch, but when I think about um, those game winning shots, you know, never mind all the other exciting games and you're you're scoring 20, 30 points. But specifically when you hit those game winning shots um, and when they they talk a lot about addiction with, say, rock stars, there is this rush that cannot be found anywhere else compared to being on the stage in front of thousands of people screaming for you. And, you know, look, as somebody who's had my own struggles with addiction, but never had the problem of thousands of people screaming for me. Do you feel even more? It actually has had thousands of people scream for him to stay away from them. <laughs> screaming at me. Yeah. At right. him, for sure. Angry at him. It's a very different thing. <laughs> yeah. But, but it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't good for me because I just ate it up basically. And uh, yeah, yeah, I was just using it all the wrong the wrong way i forgot what got me there yeah yeah and it's well just, it's, let, let's sorry go ahead ward well and it just it's just it's such a unique situation whether you're a, a musician or an athlete that cannot be replicated in normal life and and even if you're playing a three-hour concert or two-hour game there's 21 hours left in the day right. right you're right so let's go to the end of the season 17 points against illinois in one of the most heart-wrenching games in the history of Indiana basketball. Can you we just again, talk about it up until the second to last shot? Just the well, second to last shot. Well, your shot, 
down two with 17 seconds left. You hit a fading shot where you're like fading out of bounds on the baseline and you drill yeah. this shot to yeah. tie the game. Yeah, um, he, I was trying to go around him, but he cut me off and uh, I didn't have, I had to go up. And I went up, I looked, I seen the backboard and I was like, oh, wow. So, I, <laughs> you know, it's one of the things where you just got to throw, you know, <laughs> and it went in, it went over it the went backboard. Yeah. <laughs> but what, I mean, I do have to ask because it's still, it still hurts me to think about it. What went through your head when you saw Nick Anderson hurl that shot? I mean, in my mind, because my defense system went up, I was like, forget about it. We still going to win the Big Ten. Let's really? go take a shower. Yeah, that's how I was. I, I like that. That bother me at all. Yeah. Wow. Well, the next yeah. game. Wait, wait, score... stop there. Stop there. Do you, do you have any kind of like, I don't know, you cross paths with Nick again or something like that. But when like, I mean, that's like a shared moment or even with other guys who drill game winners do you just is there a little maybe even in that case begrudging respect you have to have for somebody else who just just oh, kills another team like that oh yeah uh yeah i mean me and nick have talked to each other since then and uh he he he, he always reminds me of that shot <laughs> <laughs> yeah i bet that was, a, that was a big shot in his career even i mean his whole career yeah it yeah. really was it really yeah, was yeah yeah now the next game you bounce right back you score 15 we kill Wisconsin and you win the Big Ten outright with a game to play. That was that was the game I was talking about. I knew uh, if we won this game, then it was over. And yeah. was, that's the only thing I was worried about. I, I was thinking about that game as I walked off the court. And how good did it feel, Jay, to win a title? I mean, I know we all have talked to Bobby Knight players and Bobby Knight talked about win the Big Ten championship. That's where it all starts for Indiana. Right. How good did that feel to do that in your sophomore year? Oh, I mean, I feel great. I mean, it just, you know, especially nobody expected us to do yes. it, you know, and it, it, that's what it really felt great to do it. And uh, it kind of, I don't know, I it kind of hurt us, I think, a little bit because I think we kind of relaxed after we, after, because we had a, a couple more games left. I don't know, we had one more game left or. We yeah, you Iowa did. You left. had Iowa, but you didn't, no one played in that game, basically. And he didn't let us play. And I think that hurt us too. I think that was I think that backfired too because we had momentum, you know, a certain momentum going, and the and neither one of us, both of us, could have played that game. You know, I mean, I was hurt, and my knee was obviously hurting, but I could have played. And I, I forget uh, Joe didn't play, right? Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure Lyndon played in that game. No, Lyndon didn't play either. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, well, we we skipped over it your freshman year, and I do wonder just because it's such a unique rite of passage, um, has been for not that many recent IU teams, but traditionally selection Sunday. Um, do you, you remember anything about that? You guys were lined up for, for a good seed. Is that just like uh, a, a good time together? I, know, how- I, I don't remember. I don't think we were lined. I think, uh, I know we got screwed pretty good on that, on that, uh, that selection Sunday. I think we got, we, we were sent to the West. Yeah. Tucson, the West. yeah. And we won the Big Ten, so that was kind of crazy. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, Illinois got the Midwest, right? Yeah, exactly. In a year yeah. where the Big Ten was as good as it had ever been, you win the Big Ten well, they, by a comfortable margin. I mean, you, That's you, what I was talking about. The game that we set out backfired on us. I think yeah. they got mad at Bobby Knight for setting us out. Oh. They took it out on him and sent us out there. Well, that that is interesting. So you go out there, you beat George Mason – you win a, your first game in the NCAA. It's a blowout. You don't have to play that much. You score 13. UTEP wins their first round game. You play them 17 points, handle them. And then you get matched up with 
a team that ends up making it to the championship game, who was one of those teams that is just hot as hell at that. Well, at that yeah, point. and they played just like us. I mean, it was it was like playing against the, uh, looking in the mirror. You know, they played same kind of offense, hard defense, man to man, and they outplayed us on our own our own game. Played our yeah, own game you, against us. Yeah, you did yeah. score eighteen points. You were played with some foul trouble. In well, that I didn't game. play the first half. I did. That's another thing. He took me out the first half. Because he knows I'm not, he knows I'm not going to foul out. I quit fouling. I mean, I'm not going to foul out. So right. I mean, for him to take me out with like I don't know, it was 13 minutes left in the first half or something like that. I don't know what it was. Right. A lot of time. A lot of time. We was up when I when I went out, and I think by the end of halftime, we was down eight, and we I were mean, trying to I, fight back the whole game, and it just couldn't get back. I, I want to just go back a step because, and I know they weren't the you know the the biggest rivals or greatest opponents, and as I was in, out in Tucson, but you did get a play in the NCAA tournament and and win a couple games and punch a ticket to the Sweet 16, was 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 there still, like, excitement and joy and, like, coming back to Bloomington, knowing you guys were going to keep playing? Was was there something fun about that, too? Or were, were, were you guys already just looking so far ahead you couldn't even necessarily bask in the fun or the joy of, of winning a couple tourney games? No, I mean uh... – I was trying to decide if I was going to go to the NBA or stay in college at that, at that point. I mean, yeah. So wait, but during the tournament, cause I'm talking about before the loss to Seton hall where, Hey, you guys had an unceremonious exit to Richmond the year before, but, oh, okay. but, but now, you know, yeah, just, it was just exciting winning. going, it was really, it, it was really exciting going to the sweet 16. Like when we, when we got there and was getting mm-hmm. ready to play and everything, it was just disappointing. Like I didn't get to play like, Felt like I only played a half, uh, you know, right. so that, that's what was disappointing for me. I don't want to lose track of this. Look, only one team wins the last game of the year, right? Like there's that doesn't mean that everybody else's season was bad. That season is one of the greatest stories in the history of Indiana basketball. I would argue outside of five national championships. Right. This is it. That season to win the Big Ten with a team that had very little talent outside of you, and then really, I mean, you really. Eric Anderson was a top-level player, played a little bit in the pros. But right. Joe Hillman wasn't a top-level But he was only a freshman. Talent. He was only yeah, a freshman. exactly. Yeah. He was only yeah. a freshman. And Joe Hillman was about smarts and and moxie. Yeah. And yeah. Linden, and even Linden has talked about, like, Linden by that, was, you know, yeah. Linden yeah. was a good player, but he, he wasn't was a, a superstar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To win the Big Ten in that year where the Big Ten had national championship teams in it is remarkable. You're quoted as saying, uh, I think uh, years later, there's no way we should have won the Big Ten. Without Knight's coaching, we wouldn't have. He was smart. I mean, just yeah. so. What, <laughs> there's what, no can, way, man. There's no, like, I'd I be, I be warming up and I'm looking at these guys warming up and I'm like, there is no way we're going to beat this team, man. It's like, I'm seeing first rounder at the first rounder at the first rounder, especially Michigan, Illinois, you know. Yeah. I mean, this, they were, they, they were town, they were loaded, man. Uh, Iowa loaded, you know. Totally. Uh, yeah. It, it, was it tough. is. Ohio it is State a, was even tough, man. You yes, know? they were. Yeah. It was a miraculous season. Yeah, and it, then it ends, and, and and you have to make a really tough decision, and and you make a decision for you know for at that time in your life it was the right decision for you it, it, with the information that you had, and I know that you've you've maybe thought differently about it in years uh, past. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, it was definitely the wrong decision. Dude. It was. Uh, now, uh, why yeah, do oh, you yeah. say that, Jay? Oh, because 
I was hurt when A, uh, B, I was not ready uh, uh, mentally, mentally or or physically. Really, I wasn't ready. Uh, I needed a, I need at least one more year. One more year under Coach Knight. I think uh, it would have been. I probably had to do two though. I probably had to redshirt it. I, mm-hmm. I was I was hurt that bad. Wow. Yeah. I I I wonder in terms of there there are several great Indiana teams of the past where people are like if so and so hadn't got hurt. Uh, they could have they could have gone further. I mean, even getting the fouls you did in the first half of that Seton Hall game, I, I'm I just feel like this is something that hasn't really been explored at all. Like hurting you defensively, maybe drawing fouls you wouldn't otherwise have to. Um, I mean, like in your mind, if your knee hadn't gotten hurt, like how does that season end? Oh man, I, uh, national championship. Uh, yeah, there's no way. Uh, uh, Michigan, like you said, Michigan won it, and, and I felt like we could beat Michigan any any day, any day, any day. We, well, I mean, we had twice. we had Michigan. Yeah, we had Michigan, Illinois. Even we, I mean, they gave us a little more of a problem because they had a little more speed. Michigan mm-hmm. was just more big, you know, but uh, Illinois had the speed. So that, mm-hmm. that gave us a little problem sometimes. We just had to handle the ball. As long as we handle the ball, we, we'll beat them. So when you decide to go pro, do you call Coach Knight or go meet with him and tell him you're going pro? No, no. I was I was like I was in the middle of my stuff, man. I was I was no. I was I should have. I should have. I, I didn't. I I, didn't. I, I I did read a quote years and years and years later where you said I tried to talk to him, but he just cussed me out. I'm not going to get cussed out a third time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I tried to talk to him a couple of times, like throughout the years, and every time he just cussed me out. So now yeah, I just quit trying. All right, so I want to. I, I'm I'm going to fast forward a little bit here, um, and I don't want to take up too much more of your time. But we may have mentioned this on the last podcast, but it goes mentioning again. Ward and I were able to come back for that game where Coach Knight returned to Assembly Hall. And there were a ton of players that were back there too. There was no one that made the fan base more emotional or happy than seeing you there at that game when Coach Knight came back, even knowing he had cussed you out every time you tried to talk to him, you know? <laughs> yeah. What, what what did it mean to you to come back for that game and, and why was it important for you to be there? Oh, because, uh, I mean, even though we had our, our differences because I left, you know, school early. I mean, but the time we had there, it was special. So, you know, I, I was just respecting that, you know, that's why I had to come back, you know. Um, and did you I get to, doing. did you get to shake his hand at, at Cook yeah, Hall I, there? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. I, 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 I'm I, sure he knew who it was. And yeah, we, we talked, said hi. That's great. That's yeah. great. And for you having been able to, to come back even as recently as Fan Fest this year, um, what does it feel like to know that that something you did when we were all much younger still means so much to the fans to just still interact with IU fans who, who, who remember and that like, I'm sure they're like us. They just get huge grins on their face because you are so closely associated with wonderful memories. Right. Uh, it, it's, it's great. I mean, it's, it's real, it's real good. Now at, at, at the beginning, it was kind of rough, you know, coach night was still, coaching there and everything but now it's 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 different it's uh it's all love uh yeah i don't 
I always hear like, you know, you were the best this or the best that. And, you know, I say no, but yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but you know, inside good. you're like, yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it, it's nice to hear. It's nice to hear. I, I remember when we had you back at Fan Fest this year, we met you outside and there were people lined up and Ward and I kind of escorted you in and we couldn't get you in because people wanted to get your autograph. And you kind of whispered to me, you go, I haven't signed autographs in a long time. (laughs) Um, And seeing it, I mean, and it was people our age, people a lot older than us and people a whole lot younger than us who have been regaled with the stories that we love telling and that you've been kind enough to share. It was such a special moment to see that Jay. I hope, I hope that sticks with you because it is, it is meaningful in a way that that I think is really hard to describe for people to see you back at that building, to get your signature, to get a picture with you. It is truly meaningful. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, it, it, it means a lot to me too. It really means a lot to me. I mean, I, I felt like, uh, you know, like with everyone black sheep or in that for a long time. So to be welcome back in the, in the fold and everything, it, it, it means a lot to me. And, and I wonder with, with one of our own, one of your own coach Woodson, um, running the program, uh, you know, have you have you gotten a vibe, whether it's directly or from from other former players you're in a communication with, like how important it is for the IU family to have Coach Woodson there as as opposed to a coach who doesn't have the IU background? Oh yeah, it feels it, it feels good to have you know one of us coaching. Um, uh, if it, 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 it's it, the excitement's back. Uh, I hear from what I hear. I seen them down there at Fan Fest, but what I hear they ranked number one in the Big in the Big Ten preseason. Yeah, a lot of expectations. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so hopefully you know they're gonna bring it back, man. It hasn't been like that since uh, I don't know since uh, Oladipo, Cody and maybe. Vic. Huh? Yeah, yeah, Oladipo's so. team. Yeah, for yeah, sure. So it's been a while. So hopefully this is the year. Can we? Um, I want to wrap up with just touching on something you mentioned before. Look, being a high-end professional athlete or a musician or an entertainer is, I think, probably the worst possible thing for somebody also dealing with substance issues. You talked about that. And you said that it was something you didn't really get fixed. And it's I know it's an ongoing battle, too. But it's something you didn't really, you know, get over the hump on until you were about 40. Right. Um, What was it at 40... Because, look, I've gotten to know you over the last few years, Jay, and I've gotten to talk to your wife, and you've got a big family, and you're a family man, and you got grandkids running around. There's a (laughs) lot of joy around you that I'm sure if you look back at some of those dark times in your late 20s, early 30s, you probably never even saw that those were possible. What was it at 40 that got you over the hump? Oh, it was, it was, uh, it was the most high. It was, it was God. Uh, Me and my relationship with God, you know, I had lost that and getting getting back uh, with the most high was everything. It was, uh, you know, it it made me whole again. Wow. That really was. Well, Jay, you know, I'm 45 years old. I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. When you were doing your thing at Indiana, I was 11 and 12 years old. That was the formative time in my (laughs) life of, of Indiana basketball. I remember those games. I remember those moments. I have watched them at least 10,000 times on YouTube. Um, it, it has been, honestly, a joy of a lifetime to get to know you. It's an honor to be able to talk to you. 
and 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 I love that we got to meet you in person a few times now, and we hope for many, many more. I don't oh, want yeah. you to be a stranger in Bloomington. You mean a lot to the people there, and I hope those people mean a lot to you. That's your home, and uh, I just wish you and your family nothing but the best, man. You have filled us with so many memories that we still talk about and brag about because of what you gave us. Man. And I love you and your family, man, and, and just well, wish nothing but too, the man. best for you. All right, thank you, thank you, thank you. And, and Jay, Eric, Eric said it all as he usually does. But what I will add is that uh, let's do it again in Bloomington soon. Hopefully we can see you down there for a game. When you guys, whenever you guys coming in, call me. I'll, I'll, I'll be down there. That was a guest. That was a guest. I got to tell you what, I'm a little um, emotional about that conversation because I, with, no, I, I will say, I don't think we have, with the exception of maybe Landon Turner, for very different reasons, I don't think we've ever talked to anybody who is at the high of the high that you can be as, a, as an athlete that Jay was. I mean, he was a legend while playing because of those, not just because of his performance, but specifically those shots, you know, those game-winning shots, and then a first-round draft pick in the NBA. Yeah, um, well, and, and that's all on top of being one of the greatest high school players yes. ever with arguably the greatest high school team ever. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't even think there's a doubt about that because like the Franklin team won three in a row, but let's be honest. Who, who do you think Brian Evans would think between the Franklin? Exactly. <laughs> but to talk to somebody who is at those heights and at those lows and, and many times at the same time, you know, that he, you heard him talk about like, that was not good for me. Yeah. You know, it rips your heart out because you think about the joy that we had celebrating at home, or if you were lucky enough to be in Bloomington or at assembly hall, when he was hitting those shots, it's pure joy, right? It's pure joy. And you remember like, like I don't drink, but you know, so many people talk about, Oh yeah, I went out and we had beers all night and went on Kirkwood and went to Kilroy's and went to Nick's. And it's just, those moments are filled with unadulterated joy. And for Jay, the architect of those moments they are filled with joy and pain all at the same time. Sure. And that is torturous. And hearing him talk about it is, is hard. I mean, I, I, I'm emotional about it. I really am. And I, I thank him for being open with us about, it's not like he fixed it in that rehab and then everything was roses that year. Right. No, it was something that he struggled with and hid from everybody because it was demons that he could not handle at that time and couldn't handle for another 20 years. Word. I mean, that is, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. I think there's this, uh, for me anyway, this real desire to not put an asterisk by what he accomplished in his time in IU. Because as much as there is for him especially that baggage of what was going on at the time what would happen for the rest of his career and beyond as as fans i just you know there's there's so many great careers great seasons that were cut short by injury or bad luck or whatever it might have been and to to sort of train my brain to be like no like don't take anything away from those shots to your point of pure joy being like, Oh, but you know, that team didn't win a national title. Oh yeah. Screw you know, that. 
you know, that, that I think that maybe instinctively with there has been such a high bar set at Indiana university going back to 1940 that for, for, people to be able to and as jay says now it's all love now and that clearly when he was on the outs with knight for for a lot of hoosier nation that puts you on the outs with them too yeah yeah yeah. you know and so for for all of us to be able to be like one hey there you know his stepson was helping him get set up for this this zoom call you know what i mean and that he's got this big family around him and if you weren't watching the video there was a lot of smiles from jay and and whatever disappointments since then to now it's like for for him to have given us those memories and it mean clearly so much to him as it does to us and to be sitting here 30 plus years later having a good time about it having some laughs um it's that's so far beyond sports, you know, sports yes. even was in his, his rear view mirror a long time ago. And, and what I would actually argue that doing it now, a kid coming up to him now and asking for an autograph, an adult like us saying you were the best shooter I ever saw on that court. I was there when you hit the shot against Purdue. I was there when you hit the shot against Michigan. I would bet in many ways because of what he was going through at the time, it's, he can enjoy it more now Absolutely. because it's not tied to the pain that he was feeling. I mean, think about that word. He's in the middle of, he's the biggest star in the state during those times, right? One number of the two, biggest, huh? Number two. Who was number one? Coach Knight. Oh, Coach Knight. Okay. Fair enough. From a player's perspective, he was the number one guy. He had nothing but people who wanted to be around him. And yet he described it as a lonely existence. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about that. That is, that's heartbreaking. And now, flash forward 30 years, more, 33, 34 years, he can relive those moments through the joy that other people have, like we have talking about them, or people in Bloomington that want his autograph, or when we get to introduce him at FanFest and people get to give him a round of applause. I love that. I, and, and I think it's why it's important for us to continue to do what we're doing and meeting these people as real people, three-dimensional people, that there is so much more going on than we ever know. And yeah. and and you know what? I remember at the time that he went to the NBA, my dad, oh, Knight should have kicked him off the team. You know, mm-hmm. he was into drugs. Like, screw that. Like, my dad is this old-school guy. Like, that, you know, drugs are just something that you choose to eat like a – or to choose to take like a Twinkie. And, you well, know? And, and, and Coach Knight – uh, whether he intended to or not, people would take license to have a real uh, high and mighty self-righteous sort of uh, uh, take on anything that wasn't like pure and holy around Indiana basketball. Yeah, totally. And there's just so much more to him and his story than the shots, which in and of themselves were historic. It, it just, you know, look, we talk about the watch shots so much. He had several watch shots, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, several. When when you knew that he was going to be the guy to take it, and he still took it, and he still made it. He is. He was a remarkable basketball player, and I am just so happy that he has found some peace in his life and has a family of support around him and love that that he's able to 
look back and enjoy those moments now because like that quote from his mom, there was a time, and he said on this podcast, they had a right to be worried about me. There was a time where tomorrow was not a guarantee for Jay Edwards. And well, that's well, that's a scary situation. We're, we're almost to episode 200. We're real close. We're knocking right on the door. And when we started with episode one, IU was not one big happy family. Right. You know, and that the the progress as 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 brutally painful as much of the basketball has been in the time we've been doing this podcast, as disappointing as that has been to like go from those early conversations with some of the players who still didn't feel welcome at IU and that both the fan base and even the players throughout the generations, there was a very real fracture and that, you know, the the silver lining that that hopefully is coinciding now with a much better team on the court is that somebody like Jay um, can come down and see coach Knight and they can both walk out on the floor together with players of, of, of every living generation um, around coach Knight and, and bask in the love. Like that is, that is real progress for a program that had been wandering in the wilderness for a long time. Yeah, I I totally agree. I also just love to talk about basketball for a second. He's such a stud, right? Like he didn't question. There, there's no false modesty. As you know, I don't like that. There's no false modesty with him. He's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I wanted to be the guy because I was the best shooter on the team. And if there was somebody better, great, but there wasn't. It's matter of the fact because he has been the best shooter, you know, let's say going up to his his injury and going into the NBA, he has been the best shooter player on his team, on every team he'd ever been in. And what, it's like the Malcolm Gladwell, you know, the outlier. I don't Mm -hmm. know if Jay was a few months older than the other kids in his class, if that was part of it. But the fact was, he was always the best, so he always got the ball, and it just kept reinforcing itself. And and there's all these other great players and great shooters. And then there's like Jay Edwards and very few others that puts him in the company of the Steve Alfords, Alfords and Calbert Chaney's and, and really the best of the best in college basketball, not just that IU, you know, all time. And you gotta be, you gotta be confident. You know, there cannot be a doubt in your mind that you want the ball when the time is running out like that, that it can't enter. You can't like mentally toughen up yourself to be like, no, don't let those negative thoughts come in. You don't have them. No, you don't. You They do not. Th- that's why they're different than us. They they are. They're they're just built different. And they're and built different. N- nature versus nurture. I don't know. But by the time we're watching them at the collegiate level or at the professional level, um, and and there's very few of them. Very few of them. And so I think that's that that Jay was so good all the time, and then he was so he was so great all the time. But then he was at his greatest when it mattered the most. That that makes you one of the best to ever do it. I agree. And I'm going to say something that I'm sure people will will freak out about. But like the difference, baseball is a good example because baseball is so much about numbers. The difference between a Hall of Famer in baseball and a guy who like is a journeyman in the major leagues that never starts is so minuscule. I mean, you are talking about a guy, if you hit 300 for your career, that means you're successful 30% of the time you are a likely hall of famer 
if you hit 250 for your career, 260, which is 26% of the time compared to 30, no one even remembers you. <laughs> the difference between Jay Edwards and I'll just say it, Michael Jordan, injuries, substance abuse issues, luck, the team you go to, your family situation, all these factors around you, those little things chip away at you and prevent you potentially from reaching your potential, especially luck and injuries. Jay Edwards at the college level, I mean, he is Isaiah at the college level. You know what I mean? Maybe even better, like as far as scoring, for sure. Yeah, he was it's a little so apples good. and oranges with Isaiah. Yeah, it is. But Calbert, I mean, what he did... He scored more as a freshman than Calbert. Yeah, yeah, like... Per game. That, yeah, and shooting from three, he was better than Calbert. Yeah. Like, and he had the size, too, like Calbert did. There's just... Luck is, is such a motherfucker. I mean, it is. And and also just this disease that he had to has had to battle for the better part of, you know, two-thirds of his life is um it's sad, but it's so great to be able to talk to him now and like you said, see his family around him. I do love one of the things I love that he brought up was how Coach Knight let him be him on the yeah. court. Yeah. And pushed him to even be more him than he was his freshman year. Coach is no that. dummy. Coach is no dummy. He knew no. what he had on that team. He did. Anyway, love Jay Edwards. Really appreciate him giving the time and being as open and honest with us. And I'm sure some of that stuff is not fun to talk about. So, And you know what else I appreciate? That he wanted it so bad. He was working construction and riding a bike to get back on that court. Like if he hadn't <sighs> had that burning desire to get back out there and ball, we never would have had those last second shots. Think about that, Ward. I'm glad you brought that up. No Big splitting, Ten championship. Splitting bricks all summer so that he could pay or and then and then into the fall so that he could pay to just go to school at Indiana. Yeah. Like think about that. Yeah. That does not happen. I, I don't ever remember hearing of another like IU player doing that. Like, I mean, let alone the star. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm any scholarship player who got a scholarship revoked, who, who literally worked to pay his tuition to play. No, that is splitting bricks, working construction. He's a blue collar guy. He's had a rough set of circumstances around him. He has battled them and he's in a place where in 2022 he can come talk to us two idiots and let fans rejoice in those moments that we either remember so well, or if you're younger, go to YouTube and look up those moments. They are special. And you Electric. will you will ingest them as part of your Indiana fandom, and it's worth it. So love Jay Edwards, love his family. Thank you. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at Hoosier Hysterics for the Hysterics. No E, no I. But, but the, the sometimes, sometimes why. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack. 
and the shoulder like a passing lane? Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.